Welcome back to Never Watch Alone, where you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. I am your host, Tim Lifeight, and joining me, as always, is Sean Wheeler. What's up, Sean? How you doing? Oh, dude, man. I'm gonna I'm tell you what, I'm gonna tell you two times. I love this movie, I love this movie. This is one of my seriously, this is one of my favorite movies. One of my favorite movies. I'm here to talk I am Timmy two times right now, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll tell it, it's Jimmy two times. So you already fucking it up, but it's all right. It's hey, all right. well, we you gotta anyway. you gotta adapt yeah, it. You gotta adapt it. Come on, hey, come on. <laughs> yeah, uh, man. So, so I, I I think this this is a great bookend for this month because we started with my favorite Scorsese movie, yeah. and we are end- ending with what I am believing is yours. Oh, it totally is. Uh, Goodfellas. To look, he has made some of the finest films in american cinema over the last half decade um and a lot of people argue which is like his real magnum opus i really think at looking at his career and looking at his life his biography his uh his journey as a filmmaker and as a a journey of of cinema of what we've gone through in the form and in history in america i honestly think that this film is truly his magnum opus. Well, I think it, it speaks to the quality of the source material that, which I'm, I'm sure you're well aware of this, obviously, but Scorsese had sworn off doing more mob movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he read the proofs for this book, and he's like, shit, I have to do a mob movie. So something that is so good that he's like, I have to do this again, even after he was like, I'm kind of done. Yeah. That says something. Oh, dude, for real. It's like, hey, man, look, I'm out. I'm, I don't want to do this no more. I am out. And then something. It is. It That is kind of a weird, like, it's almost like seeing an outlaw, uh, an aged outlaw who, you know, wondered us with these amazing spectacles of Taxi Driver and <laughs> Raging Bull. And he comes out of retirement for one last showdown. I, and of course. I, I'm not laughing at your analogy. I'm laughing because we're doing Mob March, and a quote from one of the more lamentable mob movies is all I can think of. Just when I thought I was out, they, they pulled pull me, me back, back in! in. <laughs> it really is. Oh, my God. You're totally right. And that came out the same year, didn't it? That was 1990. Godfather 3. 1990 Goodfellas, man. That's isn't that crazy? Like we had all the. Uh, and as a matter of fact, how fucking hilarious is it that you know well, the go- when mean, the Godfather what's... comes out and it's hailed as this like, one of the greatest American cinema still is. Uh, it comes out. It has a sequel that's uh, that's just as good and arguably better. And they're like, oh my god, he's going to complete the trilogy. This is going to be the greatest mob movie of all time. It's going to be a great thing. And then you see like uh, this other guy, like, oh, Scorsese's doing a mob movie. Eh, whatever. Godfather three. This is going to be amazing. And they back the wrong horse. <laughs> Changing of the guard. It really was. That was yeah, man. That's kind of a pivotal pivotal moment right there. Like that was when, you know, Scorsese truly, uh, inst- like, just ingrained himself as the american mob director you know yeah um and i mean look obviously i love scorsese mob movies i mean departed is my favorite movie by by him and i I love goodfellas like oh yeah you're a cinema buff you're not you can't not love goodfellas that's just real how it is yeah man um but for me um 
you know, it's... I, I end up watching it a lot because so many other people I know love it, and I'm always happy to watch it with them. Yeah. Um, but when I myself am going to... Uh, when I want to watch, you know, Scorsese movies that I really like, um, you know, it, it's, it's honestly, it's probably, you know, ugh, it's, it's probably third for me. Cause I'm, I'm, Oh, what's second? Be, what's I mean, second? Taxi driver. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and uh, I mean, of course I, I have to preface this with, um, this has come up on the show before huge fan of punk, huge fan of punk culture. That movie is well beloved in punk culture yeah um yeah. it's well regard and it's also well loved by a lot of literary people i like who are associated loosely like there's not really punk novelists but there's novelists loved by punks if that yeah. makes sense yeah yeah, yeah and and that movie tends to be beloved by a lot of the novelists who you know, were really inspired by the original punk movement and, and clearly their work demonstrates, you know, an influence from that. That's one of the movies that also influenced them. So there's kind of a lot of cross-cultural stuff oh, yeah, yeah. with that. And also, I'm sorry, but the climax and the cinematography of the climax of that movie just blows my mind every time. Oh, the uh, of Taxi Driver, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. For real. The, the, the look going, of it is going through the walls, like after the fact, to show the whole aftermath. But the, just the way they choreograph and shot the entire, you know, apartment hallway, like stairwell fight scenes. It's just also like, the, oh yeah, my the, god. Even just down to like the chemical processing to make it look uh, a little bit grungier and dirtier. And as a matter of fact, yeah. When they were done with that process, he's like, oh my god, I kind of, I kind of wish I made that entire movie like that. <laughs> which would have been amazing you know what i'm pretty sure that uh someone out there is going to do it as a matter of fact i think david fincher kind of did something similar when he did seven because he did like this yeah. chemical bleach process with the film to and, get these really moody colors and really dark darks yeah and i think also for me a big uh a big part of it is like de niro has had such a varied and you know obviously successful but well-regarded career even with his comedy antics nowadays oh i know right like we see him in like fucking dirty grandpa and you're like dude you were one of the judges for the can film festival what are you doing (laughs) but it's like man (laughs) right but like i look at that movie and to me that movie is just like thank you like somebody like that really shows de niro's artistry because too often it's movies like this, which I, I mean, I love him in this, but he's always kind of playing like that sleek guy, that cool guy that like, I love seeing him play a mentally unstable. I don't understand society like off the rails or, like, you know, have I him, or either that or, you know, have him get back in the boxing ring and have him, you know, fight Rocky Balboa, which was so dumb. <laughs> it was so, that was so silly um but yeah but... so so as i said like for for me that that movie just it's it's something special i love it um and, and so don't, obviously i love this movie but like if i'm reaching for something this is just like as i said not far down the list but a little further down the list uh, when when did you first see this one actually i'm really curious oh gosh yeah um, i know i will never forget my first screening of it 
Um, I uh, guess if I, I mean, if you, if you're having trouble like reminiscing, I'll no, I, share I mean, mine. I, I, I cannot tell you specifically, but I can tell you this much. I know it was high school. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So um, sometime between like '98 and 2001. Did that first screening like really just like was that like where you had that ver vi uh, visceral first viewing, or was it like something that had to grow for you over time? Because a lot of even some of my all-time favorites. I'll watch them and be like, what the fuck am I watching? And then years later, I process it and I watch it again. And I'm like, oh, and then I watch it again, you know, a couple, you know, a couple months or years later. And I'm like, oh, so <laughs> and, I, I, I distinctly remember enjoying it the first time I watched it. However, um, I don't didn't really appreciate the pacing of it until later. Mm. Um, because upon a first watching, it just, it felt, uh, which is going to be really odd to say, cause I know by this point I love the Godfather, but like, it just felt long to me. Wow. Oh, wow. Really? Cause this is like, um, when I watched it, this was like, wow, this is a movie that fucking zips by just because of the rhythm of it. Yeah. And I, well, okay. We're going to welcome to an issue here. Okay. No, no, because this is, this, is this is where our age is going to show. Yeah. Commercials. Ah! Yeah, man. The whole MTV generation, man. Right, yeah, so it's like I was still experiencing a lot of movies for the first time yeah. um, on television. Now, even oh. with certain channels that would show you, you know, relatively, like, fairly... They, they you know keep a lot in so i did not see this heavily censored i know that like i still you know pe you know people getting shot in the head oh like yeah that 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 was not cut out so Fuck i know this that shit cunt cock asshole right well yeah exactly and like so some of the language was cleaned up but the violence was not and so and it also had to deal with commercials so yeah like i think so, wait really, so you actually where... saw it on cable tv first oh yeah Oh my God! Welcome See, to the weird. Welcome to how you were. Look, uh, you're under. You're. I'm not. I'm like 16. Mm -hmm. Like the local shops are being dicks. So until you're 17, they're not letting you rent our movies yourself. I gotcha. So it's like you're catching stuff where you can. I have parents who were, shall we say, a bit uh, religious. Liberal? Oh, okay. I was uh, so oh, very it's like, gotcha. And so it's like, <laughs> yeah, like I literally got to a point in my life where I was like, okay, so for my music tastes, before I had my license or could drive at 15, I was biking like three miles or more. Actually, more than that. I think it was more like five miles Damn. to the local Best Buy to get my music uncensored because they would not let me buy it shit man that's that's god i miss the 90s <laughs> yeah i mean like literally i had to keep a stash and i mean a literal stash like hidden locked up stash of my kevin smith movies yeah because yeah. like if they found hey, it they'd been like no that's the that's jay and bob's secret stash right <laughs> well i mean literally starting at like sophomore year of high school I would just do my homework every day to Mallrats. Like, and I would just stop and then pick it up the next day wherever. 
So there was right a point on. in time, not anymore, but there was a point in time I literally had Mallrats memorized. <laughs> nice. <laughs> good shit. That's a good movie to memorize because that's just like dialogue, wall-to-wall dialogue, man. Well, I mean, it's a good movie to have memorized when you're like a dumbass teenager because oh, it has yeah, all dude, kinds totally. of great lines for a especially, dumbass teenager. Especially one who fucking reads comics because it has the greatest Stanley right. cameo of all time. Right. Really. Like, not so great when you, you've kind of grown up and mature and have much more refined senses of taste. You're just like, you know, I love that at the time, but watching it now, you're just like, there's nostalgia there, thank God, because oof. <laughs> yeah, man, you did really did have it rough I mean, trying to I, watch it that I mean, first time. Yeah, uh, so, like, well, when I, I, I mean, finally got to experience this movie as it should be experienced, loved it. Yeah. I only liked it to start with, though, because I, I liked mob movies in general, but it was like, uh, yeah, Because yeah. I'm and, watching and, it in this shit format. Yeah, well, yeah, because, like, that's how TV is, and uh, that's why I appreciate networks like TCM that it show these things, A, commercial-free, B, unedited, and C, in their original fucking aspect ratio and not this pan and scan bullshit. Oh, I, I will tell you, I was the advocate in my high school and friend circle for like, no, letterboxed. You yeah. must watch it letterboxed. No, I was the same way. And you know what was crazy? I Okay, so I didn't have any real formal cinema uh, education until high school because there were no classes for that kind of thing. We had one, one class... Uh, in high school, it was called Film is Literature, and we were there watching Raiders of the Lost Ark in full pan and scan screen. And I yeah. was like, and I was, I actually had to c- go to TCM's uh, um, website and pull up this uh, video where they explain letterboxing and why it's superior. And right. yet, I still couldn't get through this woman's head like. It's, well, the, it's and, like and the top, I, she's like I don't like the top uh, the black bars on the top and bottom. And, I'm like right, you're seeing the whole picture though. And and now we're having a reverse issue to a little bit. And by that I mean there is so, there are some movies that were actually shot in four three. Yeah. That now because of the way they design TVs, yeah, you try to find editions of them and they're they're. Like, literally, I can only find widescreens. It's like, this wasn't shot in widescreen. Yeah. Why do you have a widescreen edition now? It wasn't shot that way. It was shot it's... 4 and 3. Like, you know, I will take my black bars on the side. Give me 4 3. We're going to have to do a whole episode on aspect ratios because I've I've always been had, had a weird uh, fascination with aspect ratios. But the thing is, but at least I got to see it, this movie, relatively unaltered for the first time. Because going back to Goodfellas, because we get yes. off on our tangents. Um, yeah. <laughs> tangents. Woo. Um, DuckTales is going to fucking sue us for that sorry uh so uh, i actually saw this on i got the dvd for uh all right i bought it and uh, uh i sat down and watched it for the first time and i actually had the weird dvd where it's side a is uh part one and side b is part two so it cuts off halfway through and i was kind of pissed off about that because the flow of the movie is so fucking beautiful um and it actually this you know because uh, i've always said th- this is my favorite scorsese movie this is actually one of my all-time favorites like uh so just right off the bat some of my like the 10 in no particular order like the 10 movies that really 
moved me as an individual and as a filmmaker and want to go out and make films of my own. And we got, you know, films like, you know, 2001, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, Schindler's List, Private Ryan, uh, Taxi Driver, uh, Goodfellas, uh, uh, Citizen Kane. Uh, oh, God. Uh, Apocalypse Now, uh, The Shining, and uh, oh, God, what was uh, the other one? Um, See, I always forget the last the last couple because I tend to switch them up every once in a while. Um, <laughs> I, I I think the last one that I had on there for at least for a while was Orson Welles' F for Fake because I love editing, uh, mm. and uh, along with F for Fake, this is the movie that taught me more about editing than any other movie, and I mean it because uh, Thelma Schoonmacher is hands down the finest living editor in America right now. Uh, and the just the way that this story's told and how it's presented and how things are mixed in and the detail of these things and how details really don't matter, but they're there anyway. Um, and the, uh, the use of uh, uh, flash frames and especially the use of needle drop. This movie mm. perfected the needle drop. Uh, and needle drop kids, that's where they basically take, you know, pop for like regular music and use it to, to tell the story within the movie. Like you see movies do it all the time right now, but you can always tell that they never really uh, did it quite well because, you know, uh, I'll, be, I'll be listening to watching a movie and I hear a song that I like. And I'm like, oh, right on. I like this song. Yay. But they edit the song in all these different ways like the the you know you literally just can't let the song breathe and have that help drive the narrative no the narrative has to help drive the song and the song is just there to you know be popular and what not to you know play to the, the the general audiences and you know because statistics say oh audiences will say that they like this and this tested well in an audience like fuck that just let the art okay flow it I know, I'm ranting uh, here, but... Well, well I, you're ranting, but we need to get into this, and I will tell you why. Because now you're getting me wanting to talk about stuff, and if I start talking... We're not going to have any of it during the commentary, and people who skip this are going to be like, why didn't they talk about this? <laughs> it's because we're going to talk about too much of it before we start the commentary. For maybe. real, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, one of the other uh, things that uh, I, I, I have been taught is the use of needle drop. And as a matter of fact, I... Uh, even recently did a tribute to this movie with uh um uh because the opening song rags to riches by tony bennett um i actually did a uh, uh um i cut the pretty much the a shortened stylized uh footage to or i i or, or, or like a an abridged version of the movie to that one song because it is, this whole movie is like a Rags to Riches story. And I cut it together, and you can check it out on my personal page. I'll put a description in uh, below for you. But uh, that's, yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, you're right. We probably should get uh, get started on this. Um, so if folks at home, if you have uh, a copy of Goodfellas, I, I really hope, I'm, I hope the, uh, the people listening at home are the ones that have, like, that physical copy in their collection. Cause uh, yeah, there's it's it's surprising it gets all passed around, all over between uh, uh, um, 
different streaming services. I I believe as of this recording, you can find it on Netflix, maybe on Hulu. Nope. Nope, huh? it, dro- it just dropped. Like when we planned to do this, it used to be it was on Netflix, and now it's nowhere. Well, shit. Uh, well, I mean, you can always you know rent it from Vudu or Amazon Prime or Apple TV or YouTube or wherever. Um, but uh, yeah, folks. Either way, wherever you got your copy, just have it queued up because we are starting this bad boy in five, four, three, two, one. Click. Okay, before we get into this, I'm going to go right now. Since All right, what's this up? Is, this is a, I love the fact that the real narrative of this story is in the narration. Yeah. And that almost all of the acting itself is really done off of improv. Like, mm-hmm. they know their characters, they know what they're doing, but most of those interactions are improv, and the story is kept going by the narrative. By and, the, it feels, and that makes it feel all the more natural. Well, yeah, because if you have these people, like, doing it, like, getting into the character and then doing how it feels right to them, even if it's off from the script a bit, that's going to make, as you said, it makes it feel more real. And And thankfully, you have the voiceover narration to keep you on track for the story. Speaking speaking of real, like, people always tend to forget, this was based, the film explicitly states... This is based on a true story, you guys. Right, and most of the the bits for the the voiceover narration are actual quotes yeah. from Henry Hill. Yeah, as a matter of fact, like they Henry... the actual real person. <laughs> yeah, they they actually even got the real Henry Hill to read it to Hen to Ray, just so he could get that kind of tone of like because you know yeah. Martin Scorsese always said that this is literally just like hey I'm gonna hear to tell you a story like you know some guy out in the street like hey you know like. Just leaning out on the stoop on the porch in somewhere in New York or the Bronx and be like, hey, I'm going to tell you a story. And that's how this movie, the structure of this movie is. And the rhythm of it is, fu- oh, dude. The, can, you, can we also talk about how it, brilliant it is that the, uh, the rear end lights are just in this hellish red light? <laughs> I love it. And this is a real thing, man. Although yeah, but they did Nope, but, they just stabbed him about 50 times. <laughs> however, I'm glad that they did have that. Oh, wait, hey, best opening line. With that shot, too. Oh, dude, oh. The right, that is the absolute right tone. Is like, hey, man, as far as I will... As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Like, uh-oh, it's... <laughs> Dude, the way that transitions is beyond perfection, and it was right then and there that I'm like, that is probably one of the strongest opening lines in any movie in history. Seriously, <laughs> um, but no, I'm glad that they didn't shoot. They did have him in this movie shoot the guy because I always jump a little bit when he pulls out the gun. Oh just, yeah, without hesitation and pulls the trigger. Better than being president of the United States, man. Okay, so this is probably why I always attribute the, this being his true magnum opus. Because that image right here, of uh, that right there, is Scorsese's youth. He was a kid with <laughs> asthma. He didn't have. He was a kid that was overlooked, but was always watching. He was watching the gangsters across the street in his little <laughs> Italian neighborhood in the in the nineteen fifties watching these guys and observing them and he would you know see fights 
uh, across the street with people with these gritty urban, you know, brawls between people. And he would be listening to, you know, the, the, the music in the background in his, in his room. And it, and it wouldn't match, but there was like a weird irony to it. And that's how he really used the, uh, uh, the needle drop. So this is a movie that only Scorsese probably could have done, you know? <laughs> and I was, oh, man, Paul Servino. And I can't believe that Servino almost dropped out of this. Well, yeah, man, because he couldn't get that coldness right. But as soon as he looked at himself in the mirror with that look, he scared himself, and he's like, all right, I got this. <laughs> right? And, I mean, he's great in it. I mean, this is this is the movie that made him a household name. Yeah, man, for real. Um, now, did you read up about Henry's uh, upbringing, like his actual upbringing? A bit, yeah. Because uh, apparently th this is like a real – if you really look at Hen the real Henry Hill, uh, there's actually a brilliant documentary called Henry Hill – the real good fella, and I'll link a description, put a link in the description for you guys. Um, he was dyslexic as a kid, and yeah. no one knew why he was acting the way he was or why he was doing so poorly in school. So, yeah, because because I mean, he was dyslexic. He had all sorts of learning disabilities that nothing was diagnosed at this point in time. So. No, they didn't know how to treat him, so they just kind of like fucking threw him in the corner. I mean, it was to the point where he even couldn't like he had to hum the national anthem and yeah. he, uh to the point because like no one would have him uh he couldn't sing he didn't have like a good sense of tune or anything and the, he was treated like this as well as he put it i was treated like a fuck up and it was these guys that were actually accepting of me and it's yep. because of that shit is that he got well, that right. life of crime. And, 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 you know how... Right, and that that happens so often in, in history, though. You look at people who become infamous or do something horrible, they ended up in their associations because that's where they felt accepted. Yeah, and that's that's the real tragedy of, of this, is because you look at this and you're like, dude, we got to hold these kind of stories up as a reason to have reform and to better treat our fellow fucking human being. Am I right? Right. Now this is another moment where I'm like, where you know, film nuts like myself will always get like a huge movie boner, because what just the way that this is presented, all, everything's tough out, it's quiet, and then boom, smacked him around, and it's super violent, it's it's ugly, and then freeze. Yep. And, and he's, I mean, that he doesn't face, care. That face. No. Well, but he's, well, it's not the face. It's, it's the tone of the voiceover. It's like, Hey man, yeah. I don't care. Like this shit happened to me regularly. Like as a matter of fact, when, uh, when Ray Liotta was listening to interviews of his witness protection stuff and his testimonies, he was really shocked that the dude was so nonchalant about it. He was literally having a fucking snack while he was talking about killing people. Yeah. Cause yeah. you, you desensitize yourself when you are embroiled in that life. Yeah, man. Because, you know, oh, and this, now here's another thing about the needle drop. Listen to the music. No, 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 It's, it's, he does the same thing in The Departed. You remember that? Or he just uses the multiple no, no, and he uses lyrics to comment on the action. And I know that's totally a thing from when he was a kid. He was listening to, you know, his, 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 his rock and roll and his, um his italian records and whatnot 
and he was looking at this violence across the street listening to the music and it weirdly kind of sunk up and but, but and i think that gained him the famous sense of rhythm that he has scorsese has rhythm like no one else and oh yeah um even though i he's uh, i credit you know Thelma Schoonmacher to be probably the finest editor in the history of Amer in America right now. Walter Murch is a close second, and his lesson on editing is one that I will take to the, to my grave. Um, and because uh, he always said that continuity really doesn't matter. Editing is actually seventy percent rhythm. Yeah, yeah that's because uh, this. Now this takes me back, man. Right here, I, the way that this movie moves, man, you just like blink and you miss it in your newest setting. But right here, this is another thing that really spoke to me because my my uh, my mother's side of the family were among the first Mexicans in the the Chicago Heights area. Like it, it, this is like deep thing, and uh, growing up in like the early '90s as a little 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 kid. We used to grow up in neighborhoods exactly like this, and we would have cookouts and family reunions that looked exactly like this. And that's what really, it, it, it amazed me that this movie got those details right, but it scared me even more that these guys really existed. <laughs> it gave me that sense that, no, 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 this shit was real. It's close, and, oh, yeah. it, and worse, it's close to home. It's literally in your old backyard also listen I to mean, this music cue here ready what yeah although i'll never never boom right man how when, he does that when the mob was you know at their height which this is definitely you know that time they uh they were really they ran stuff and they were awful yeah You know, actually, it was, you know, Henry was, he see how gleeful he is about like, oh, yeah, man, I'm blown up. The real Henry yeah. was fucking terrified of this shit, man. Oh, yeah. But. I mean, the, the ever, I mean, it's. Respect. At first, it was kind of fun. And then the ever increasing, you know, they keep asking you to do more and more and more. Yeah. And then you start getting a little scared because of how far you got in. Oh, Dude. This bit here where, where he goes past the... I love the little tiny detail that you have all these nuns shoveling these uh, Catholic schoolboys away from this guy. The, I right. don't know why, but those tiny little sh pepper shakes of details are what really blow me away in this movie. And especially like the old Pepsi Cola signs in, from back in the day. For some reason, I don't. It's it's kind of the same vibe that he gets from like the use of the music. He uses these certain tracks, like this one here, to just kind of uh, instill a sense of nostalgia. And even if you I, weren't I around, mean, but right time. here, I mean, what a great song though, because it's like this is him up and coming. Mm-hmm. All over the place, man. Oh. Hey. 
So what I love here. Uh, is Real money, Niro, bitches. Yeah, De Niro hated the feel of fake money, so he insisted on using real money. And so the prop master gave him five grand, but then was an absolute stickler. After every take, he would not let the movie start back up till he had all 5,000 back and counted yeah. out. Yeah, for real, man. They even had, like, armed guards for that shit, too. Yep. It was fucking crazy. But you know what? I guess you just, if you really want to feel like a fucking badass pimp uh, of a gangster walking in, you'll probably want to use that real money. Right. <laughs> Man, dude, seriously, these freeze frames. I know, like, you know, Scorsese has said many, many times that every time there's a freeze frame, it's a pivotal moment in Henry yeah. Hill's life, um, which I love. But, man, there's, I don't know, there's just something about it. Because, you know, in, uh, in many ways that uh, they they talk about how the style is almost borderline a documentary, you know, because there's so much information. Yeah. And, you know, there's another thing that I really get nuts that uh, really just amazes me um, is like how they were filming these scenes. Because, you know, you'll have these scenes of, like, dialogue and uh, of uh, uh, narration going over people talking. As if the dialogue yeah. that they set on set really doesn't matter. And you'll have shit going on in the background. Like, earlier you saw Tootie uh, writing up a pink slip. And you'll see guys going through boxes and clothes and, you know, a whole bunch of different thrift items. But it's all background. And, and it feels so fucking real. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, man, this is and this is also how uh, what Henry Hill was doing. He was dealing illegal cigarettes out of a trunk. Yep. Although uh, I, I know that's this is like one of those things that we track up on this show is Moby bullshit, but he would never have that giant, you know, crumple of bills in his hand to you know hand them back and forth back and forth because you, you, there's that's just asking for one dude yeah. to just take the whole thing and just bolt but it's done for the visual you know, and and that's okay <laughs> oh, i love he has no idea what he's doing <laughs> no well, I mean, remember the guy was a fucking kid. I mean, he he. Uh, what, I, I mean, love even, I, yeah that the look smile, that look the on his head face. nod, like that judge just bought. <laughs> yeah, man. But uh, you know, Henry, the real Henry Hill, he didn't actually learn. He admitted he never learned his alpha ABCs until like his tw fucking twenties. Man, it was crazy. Yeah. Oh, and then of course we've got the most important lesson he ever learned, right here. Didn't learn too well. And always keep your mouth shut. As I said, didn't learn too well. <laughs> uh, no. And for real, man, he when he was not a like I know a lot of people are like, oh, he was like in this from day one. No, man, he tried to get out his whole life. He even well, after no, no, he 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 tried to get out until he was involved in murdering a made man. At that point, he knew he was fucked. Yep. Yep. And as a matter of fact, this movie jumps from, like, the 50s all the way to the 60s. In that 10-year period, you know what's another way he actually tried to get out? 
He enlisted Military. in the army. Yeah, he enlisted in the army. He was in the 82nd Airborne, but he was still loan sharking. He was doing all this fucking criminal because that's the shit that he knew how to do. So he had to yeah. live and survive in that shit. But he actually stole a uh, an officer's car and got di- like on, uh, dishonorably charged. And then he wound up back here in New York in the 60s where they wound up uh, doing all these rackets where they steal from the airport. Yeah. But yeah, no, seriously, dude, it just blows my mind just the sheer amount of detail that Scorsese uses. Because, again, there's all these scenes where you have, you know, these actors who have, like, lines and specific things and parameters and there are things going on and certain truths you need to understand about it. And then as soon as you get to the editing process, all that shit's thrown out the window to be have narration and music slapped over it in these in these crazy, uh, you know, frenetic editing. And I'm like, that's so crazy that you would have that, that you would do that kind of thing. Oh yeah, and then the uh, the fame. This is one of my favorite fa- ha- tracking shots. You know, as a matter of fact, I I was so in love with this movie as a kid. You know, when you're in high school, you always want you want to make that mob movie. And as a matter of fact, I even talked to my mother about uh, all the uh, the old. Um, nicknames that they would give him like there was an uncle Goodbar. there was my my papa my grandfather he was uncle fatty because he was a big guy um or at least uh, in his youth like he slimmed down in the army but uh you had these nicknames back then and i wanted to know all about and i wanted to know all about him from my mother's side so i could write myself like a little mini mob movie and it was very <laughs> much on this style man Never got made because I could never find the amount of people to work with. Uh, but uh, I think I still have the script lying somewhere in deep archived files somewhere. I think it was called a memoir from the mafia. So here's what I love. Yeah. That guy right there who's playing the proprietor of the Bamboo Lounge. He actually worked at the Bamboo Lounge in real life. When he was a young guy. And I thought that's cool as hell, casting somebody who actually worked there as the proprietor. Yeah. Brilliant. You know what's so weird? The way that they describe these their lifestyle. How they are basically movie star, rock stars with muscle. Or movie stars with muscle is what they call them, which is, an, which is so seductive. Do you have, hey, look, there, two uh, movies in a row. Look who shows up. I know, right? <laughs> As a matter of fact, the other guy, his his brother, that was uh, Henry's father. You saw beating him. Oh, yeah. That was totally him. <laughs> How fucking great they is that? They both show up. <laughs> oh, man, dude, I love that push-in shot where they, he just, yeah. it just zooms in right on, on Robert De Niro as he takes that puff of cigarette. Oh, shit. So this actually was like a legit thing. The only th- difference yep. is um, the, the guy who is they're talking to, he was just a uh, an inform or he was uh, uh, just an informant on it. Um, he yeah, didn't, he actually, didn't have access. But the guy but you know how they actually distracted the guy that did 
Yep, they got him drunk and got him a prostitute. Yeah, because apparently they were they listened in on him, and apparently his big th- big weakness was women. So they got him fucking drunk. And as soon as he dropped his pants, they stole his keys, made a copy, and, and walked. Uncle. Yep, walked right in and waltzed out with over a million dollars. Oh, of course. Now we have the mo- probably one, well, arguably one of the most famous scenes of the movie. A scene so, that spawned a fucking spinoff on Animaniacs. Well, as far back as this, I can remember, this is actually based off of better. an encounter Pesci himself had. Oh yeah, with a mobster. Oh yeah, Every, yep. Yeah, everyone, it's and I'm just really glad that they kept that in, kept that in here. Although it's still not the funniest thing that I've heard about Joe Pesci in relation to this movie. Do you know what it really is? Are you talking about the damn music video? Because we don't yes. talk about that. Yes. We don't talk about yes. that. Yes. So what I, what I love about this scene, though, is that only only Pesci and Ray knew what was coming. Yeah. All the extras were not prepped, so they their reactions are legit. Yep. You know, for all the, uh, the Scorsese homages there are, um, I'm actually kind of surprised there wasn't a, uh, uh, a parody of this scene in the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, ri- you're totally ripping off of like, all of Scorsese's movies. Like, how do you not rip <laughs> off this one? <laughs> too obvious at that point i guess yeah we're like no we actually want to win an oscar with this one (laughs) so um but yeah man it's crazy how this scene got an entire inspired an entire animaniac sub show with good feathers which i loved oh i fucking love good feathers i also love the god pigeon how he (laughs) the god pigeon he says this I approve he the god pigeon approves of this scene. <laughs> so something I want to point out right here. Wait, so wait, wait. Silence. <laughs> Seriously, the tension on that silence is nuts. So oh. something I love is that Scorsese was such a stickler for accuracy, he would tie, raise tie every day to make sure it was period accurate. Oh, yeah, man. And you know what's even crazier? Uh, his parents, who appear in the movie, um, they actually pressed the set, the, the, the suits, uh, in the middle, ah. of, in, in between takes, which is crazy. Oh, that's some dedication right there. That is some supportive parenting. Yeah. Especially for uh, some... Really, you know, old school Catholics for a movie with so much fucking swearing. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, Scorsese's Ma saw the film for the first time and she's like, this is a really great movie. Why do they have to curse so much? But the thing is, people forget that's how these fucking guys talked, you know? Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, okay, so there was a while. This is a few summers ago. I worked for a guy. I was doing some landscaping. Uh, for a guy I am convinced was a guy in witness protection against the mafia. Because this this guy was, you know, in his, this is, you know, about 
about five, seven years ago. This guy was in his late 70s, and he was he, he cursed up a storm. He was rude. He was loud. He was piggish. He was an asshole. He didn't pay me for the fucking job because I he did, said I didn't do a good enough job, <clears throat> even though I fucking broke my back on it. Uh, so... I'm not, and you know what? Talking to him, I under, I believe this is how these guys acted, because he. Oh they, yeah. Um. And, and you know that's the other well, thing. Well, I that mean, I, yeah, what's up? Like, well, Henry even talks about like, because you don't see Paulie in this movie do a whole lot of stuff, but like, he talked about Paulie and him were riding in a car. Paulie tells him to stop. He gets out and starts beating a woman up because she owed him money. Oh yeah, with like a fucking baseball bat. To town. Yeah. yeah, seriously. He pulls up to this uh, this fucking bar. Uh, he's, he looks at Henry and he, a little young Henry who'd never seen this side of him before. He's like, "Hey, watch this." Pulls out a baseball bat out in the back of the car and just beats this woman to death, and then just coming back in. And he's like, "All right, you want to go get some? You know, go get a fucking yeah. steak for lunch." It's crazy. She owed him money. It's just yeah, like, man. That's like they, they always they. There's so much of the talk of like. Well, you know, they don't do women. They don't, like, no. They don't give a shit. No, like, seriously. That's why The Godfather is a better film than this. It is a high work of art, and it's beautiful, but it's operatic, but it's still a fantasy. This is what it is. And you know what? There's a quote that I read that perfectly sums up, I, I think, everything what it uh, about those two movies. The Godfather is how the wa mafia wants to be seen. Goodfellas is how they actually were, <laughs> you know. That's 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 what it was, because you know these guys weren't a, because you know the Godfather tends to hold, uphold all these virtues of so, honor, loyalty, family, yeah, and that Something, sort of thing. These guys were fucking psychopaths, man. Quick, quick, quick interruption right yeah. now in this scene. Uh, Paul wasn't given a lot of the dialogue, like a lot of it. He was unknown going in, so his surprise. Oh, yeah at being asked this stuff is legit because they wanted to keep that authenticity. Yeah, man, that's that's how it works. And you know what's even crazier is you, if you watch the takes in between, you'll see every once in a while where he'll have the cigar in his mouth like this, and it cuts yeah. away. Watch, when it cuts away, it's it's still in there, but it'll cut back and forth where it doesn't match the continuity. But, yeah, see right here. Yeah, like it that was, quick. But you know what? That's the but brilliance we've, we've, of it. We've, we've talked about that with Scorsese. He doesn't let continue, little continuity things mess up a good no, shot. No, because he, he, he understands in cinema that that shit doesn't matter. He's like, oh, it doesn't match. Well, well then that, if that's what they're noticing in this scene, then they're not into the movie. You know? Oh, and that, yeah, see, this is the kind of stuff that I was talking about, where they have all these sequences with this... Um, with this dialogue with between these two guys where they're doing business, they got all these extras going back and forth, back and forth, all this activity going on, and it's thrown out the window for narration. This is a whole subplot that you basically could have done MOS. MOS guy, uh, for you non-film people, that's when they film without sound. But it's crazy. They just throw, it's the, the yeah. detail in this, in these sequences. And I also love because uh, again we I I kind of was like oh man I really wish Hoodlum uh, explained a little bit more to what they were doing on. This is why I think Goodfellas really helps because they ex constantly explain the not just what they're feeling but the inner workings of what they do and their yeah. attitude towards it too. 
Because <laughs> and you know, I just keep real. I it just I just realized this because you mentioned it when we did the Departed for the beginning of the month. Um, this movie really doesn't have a plot, does it? <laughs> well, no. It's a it, that's a, it's a character study, and there's there's certainly other characters and there's vignette moments. And now we're going to get into one of my biggest beefs with the, the way the story is done. Yeah, what's that? So, it, it's coming up because this whole scene is setting up, obviously, the meat. Oh, with uh, with Karen? Yes. And Karen is honestly my biggest problem with this movie. Oh, really? Don't get me wrong. I love her performance. But when you find stuff out like, oh, Karen was having a an affair with Polly. Oh, yeah, they yeah. That Karen, was... in this movie, seemed the devoted wife and the victim almost perpetually. And here, here's Karen out sleezing around with the other mobsters just as Henry's out sleezing around with his mistresses. Yep. So it's like she ain't innocent in this. No, she really isn't. Uh, as the, uh, the, 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 uh, the witness protection guy at the end of the movie goes, don't play that babe in the woods shit with me. Like, I, yeah, I, exactly. I, I, I mean, this movie, yeah, yeah you're right, because this movie does kind of downplay that a little bit. Yeah, you know, and, and that's just, that's my big thing. It's like they play her off as, like, more innocent, and it's like, she really wasn't. You know what? Maybe if uh, Scorsese was allowed to do a three-hour movie, they would have done that, because there's a lot of other things I, in there. I mean, I don't, I don't know that they would have necessarily vilified her, or on top of the fact, like, so one of the reasons that, um, um, oh, my gosh, um, Pesci's character, what's his name? Help me out. Tommy. Uh, yeah, Tommy. One of the reasons uh, that speculated for Tommy being hit is the fact that, as I said, Polly was having an affair with Karen. Yep. And Tommy tried to rape Karen at one point. Yep. yep. Now, as awful as these people are, I think there's some lines they were not trying to necessarily cross just because they had to still get an R rating. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, I'm actually kind of amazed that this movie in 1990 got this rating because, right. <laughs> um, I mean, because, you know, we talked about in Scarface how it was like the most uses of the f word fuck ever in a movie at that yeah, time. Yeah, until this one. <laughs> yeah, until this, th th this one is the one that blew it out of the water. I think now it's like number 15 overall. Of, uh, right. Because uh, I, and you know what's funny? Do you know how many times they use the word fuck in this movie? 312? Uh, actually, exactly 300. At least that's what I remember. I, I but, uh, yeah, man, it's... it's. And as a matter of fact, they didn't even want to have that much cursing. It was just because of the improv where the fucks just added up. <laughs> well, yeah, because that's how these guys were. Well, yeah, oh, of no, course. Uh, uh, fuck and its derivatives are used 321 times in Whew. this movie. Shit, man. That's a lot of fucking cursing. <laughs> See, this is why we uh, we put the uh, this this series is explicit uh, label on on literally all our platforms. <laughs> Jesus. You know, Lorraine Bracco doesn't get uh, enough praise for this movie. <laughs> I mean, you know what's crazy? She actually got the Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress. 
I mean, you, I'm not surprised. She does do a great job. As I said, my own, my issue's not with her performance. Her performance is spot on. Yeah. It's the fact that they make her seem too innocent. Yeah, which is crazy because even in the context of the movie, she's not that innocent. No. She's really not. But in real life, oh, she was even worse. Oh, yeah. And, of course... The most jerked off, like, number one best <laughs> shot of all time. You like it. Your dad likes it. This is the best one ever. It's you, so, you, like, you, dynamic and shit. You're going to stop, uh, hey, you're going to stop cribbing history buffs review of this and start <laughs> having your own commentary at some point? Maybe. Well, it, it, for those of you who don't know, yeah, the, the, they uh, history buffs, one of my favorite YouTube channels, uh, uh, he totally riffs on how how overly jerked off this shot is um but uh yeah if you want he actually does a review of this movie in terms of historical accuracy and i'll also link in the description for him give him a little shout out for him because it's really quite good and seriously the stories behind this are fucking fascinating but uh i but you know what all, all for all the hype aside i really do love this shot not gonna lie oh it's, yeah i mean look it's it's a great cinematic moment for sure. Well, it's also but, I just I'm just I appreciate the fact that it's not a gimmick. It is done absolutely deliberately because Scorsese has said that this is this is where his whole life ahead of him, uh, and this is uh, to well bring Karen into his life in the most glamorous right. way possible. However, That's power. It, it is. However, do you know? This shot was not originally planned. It ended up becoming a thing because they were requiring the cameraman to go through the back. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They let the equipment go through the front door. Yep. And so they're like, well, fuck it. If we got to do that anyway, let's do it this way. Yep, yep. And you know what? It just made the, made it all the more powerful. Because, by God, because this is how you uh, show that this is the entrance of the most glamorous lifestyle right and so i i want to point something out out here right now because i feel it's a good time what's that um you know after when this movie came out a lot of uh mobsters and stuff tried to make a claim that henry hill was more of a hanger on and really wasn't like that deep in the mob yeah uh not not that deeply associated and all i have to say to that is how could somebody not deeply associated get uh testify and get convictions on 50 of you yeah man <laughs> they just don't want his rep to be to look too good right <laughs> but so we had this great tracking shot and i love the fact that the punchline, the final thing in the shot is the great henny youngman oh yeah. i love this guy take my wife please i take my wife everywhere she finds her way home <laughs> <laughs> oh i love you know i know it's like real peak boomer humor and whatnot but i genuinely love henny youngman and his stand-up oh, yeah. stuff man <laughs> yeah here it is the heist where you know you'd think you'd when you think of heist you think of like all the other movies and whatnot where it's guns blazing getaway cars yep. and you know radios and whatnot no man this was just the thing where they had the fucking key they, they turn the key, walk in, walk out, no hassle, boom, million buck, million dollar payoff. No. Oh, okay. So 420. About half, okay. So about half a mil. 
That's right. This is the seventies. So this to back then this was like what five, maybe five million dollars suggested. <laughs> Jesus. So actually, for uh, for anyone who's uh, gambling inclined or looking to get into it, speaking of craps, craps is actually one of the best things to gamble on if you're going to gamble because some of the bets in it actually pay the true odds of those things happening. Yep. So it's one of the few games of chance in a casino where the odds are not in the house's favor. They're actually straight. Mm-hmm. It's a little complicated to learn, but good thing to know. Yes. Uh, and, of course, one of the other things uh, that this movie does not mention that these guys totally were involved in were shaving points uh, oh, off yeah. of uh, betting. Like, uh, they would, uh, as a matter of fact, after the, the famous Lufthansa heist, they would use that, the, that money. I think it was uh, uh, Jimmy who took uh, his, his uh, cut from the Lufthansa heist and used it to shave points off up in Boston and made, like, a whole bunch of money off of that. Yep. Which is nuts, man. Like, these guys were into everything. Twenty-one. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. See, that's, I think that's one of the things that, like, yeah, they don't have the budget to make them quite look young because, you know, they have uh you know jimmy well, Con- also the technology at the time oh yeah absolutely now you know with the irishman he's totally using You're that kind right. of technology for that sort of thing to great effect oh yeah <laughs> i love how that's clearly a string and i love how yeah. he cut how it cuts with the uh, the pool well, <laughs> i i love the fact that Scorsese literally like saw an old New York commercial for Windows, liked it so much, he found the guy who made it and brought him <laughs> in to make that commercial to make it look period accurate. Well, even better, yeah, and I, that's that's a really wonderful attention to detail. But even better is that even in that commercial, you can see the sleaze and the lies because oh, yeah. the way it cuts is where he jumps into the pool and then he uh-huh. comes back up. His hair is totally dry. <laughs> like 100 percent and you and just by looking at this guy from face value you can tell that he is a fucking crook i love that it's just a, a single cut tells you his entire character i love that but yeah man right here is where you realize that these guys do not fuck around when it comes to their money but like it's gotten to the point where it's like, to him, it's just funny now because he's already yeah. become that desensitized. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's what's so fucking terrifying. Jesus Christ. It makes you wonder how many places she had to call around to to track him down. Oh, I know, right? Because he's all over the place. I mean, he could be at a bar. He could be, at, you know, up a, up straight in uh, downtown, or he could have been in some other shop or wherever. Oh, shit. 
Also, man, how, I'm just so impressed with the cars that these guys are able to get for, for oh, this yeah. movie. You know? I mean, I know most of these, by this point, these cars are only about, you know, 20, 25 years old at, the, at most or whatnot. But I'm like, I'm still like, damn. All well, this you, also, mo- you, you also have to think about the fact that, wait, wait, are you talking about you're impressed they're able to get the cars? Well, just all this detail. And not just the car, not just in the cars, but in the clothes and all the little well, uh, set decorations and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, they do a very good job of getting getting the period right. I I agree with that. Just for like a a a, a sheer twenty five mil, all this. Oh, now so, this this shot here, um, man. Yeah, uh, Ray actually had a death in the family. I think it was his mom died of cancer when this movie was being made. And so he channeled his anger from her death into his performance. And he mentions this scene in particular. Dude. Ah, God. Dude, seriously, to have this in the wide shot in a long, buried in a long take is such a ballsy thing for a director to do god dude seriously the way what, that what I, but see, what I, work for that what, what i love is that like what are you doing these guys are from a world where they think oh it's gonna be a fight it's gonna be fist and it's like that's no. not the real world no it's like it like the real world is if somebody's gonna mess you up they're not coming at you honorably they're coming at you any way they can seriously though but the power of having it in the wide shot unbroken where he's where he shot full with that power walk from across the street um and you know he does the the blood and the stunt work all in the same shot and you can tell that you know that these guys are just begging you to bury it in a couple of shots and whatnot but no he sticks to that power (laughs) and watch this dude these freeze frames with the uh the flashes yeah dude they're like gunshots i love that mm. subliminally look at that oh cake <laughs> right dude when your wedding is financed by the mafia it's gonna be a spectacle actually, actually my grandmother used to make wedding cakes of that level of ridiculousness no way how about that uh-huh Whew. Oh, there's mom. <laughs> Good. And I also love that all this dialogue is just mixed in where you only get little snippets. Yep. And the use of slow motion, too. By the way, did you also notice that he used slow motion when Karen came out of the uh, the house? to get that gun from him Mm -hmm. most people don't pick up on that shot i said but i i don't know if it was necessarily intentional or like they needed to slow it down for the narration to fit no no because they were clearly over cranking the camera for that shot that's because that's the reason why you can uh check those but uh oh man because you know i i maybe it was just him being a little coy with himself about uh you know, the way he shot many of the fight scenes for Raging Bull. Mm. Oh, my God, these. 
<laughs> just look at how they, they edit this one right after another. Right. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Boom. I'm just trying to think how much they actually shot and how they had to whittle it down to this. Right. You know? <laughs> it's nuts to really think about it. And she's just wide-eyed at the whole, the size of the line. Oh, just I like, know, right? Oh, God. And I even love that they even highlight her eyes for that. Cause that's that's the other thing. They make they make Lorraine look good in this movie, especially in those eyes. So something I love, it talks about no one's going to steal that here. Uh, something that didn't make it into this movie, uh, Henry would actually talk about how safe mob neighborhoods are. Oh, yeah. A guy, a guy followed an old woman home one night and broke in with the intent to rob or assault her. And because the neighborhood like was paying attention and had eyes on her, in less than a minute, all the guys from the neighborhood rushed in, grabbed the guy, dragged him out, and beat him to a pulp yeah man it's when you're under the mob protection boy is it's nothing else but unfortunately shit like that comes with a price you know exactly it's super dangerous like you it's safer to a level but if you cross them at all you're oh dead. yeah you're gonna yeah you're gonna get fucking whacked like and and hard you ain't gonna see a thing coming <laughs> so Oh my gosh, the stere the stereotypical Jewish mother. Yeah, well, even uh, also, you just gotta love how you know <laughs> her dad is practically comatose throughout throughout this right. entire scene. And if, for all you know, the entire damn movie, like he's just kind of sitting there. <laughs> God. Now this is this right here should have been the red flag for Karen to get out. It really should, or not, well, how, not even that. She even mentioned it herself, like the fucking gun. Right. Or, uh, that should have been like the red flag, although, I mean, look, I, I get that she was kind of turned on by that. Every girl loves the bad boy and whatnot. <laughs> this right here should have told her, like, no, this shit ain't lasting, you know? Especially when you have Tommy yelling out the window, we're like, what the fuck kind of people are they? You know? <laughs> Oh, dude, man, those tra did you hear that? That sound design with the transition where it just kind of, they curve away and then they use the the yep. sound effects sampled in these songs to transition it. God, he's fucking brilliant. Oh, God. God. seriously the way that they edit not only they edit this and they do the sound design and have these signature kind of push-ins or these tracking mm -hmm. shots along with it especially like these push-ins like here i feel claustrophobic too do you ever feel a little claustrophobic when you're sitting in this like if you were sitting oh, yeah. here in this a, room a little bit and i And you know what? In a in the hands of a lesser oh. director, this entire scene probably would have been filmed at a Dutch angle. Yeah, you know, because what I what I what I love here is the fact that you know that one woman who's being worked on has the mark on her face, and it's clear like she got hit probably by her husband. Yeah, yeah. 
They were beat up. Yeah. But seriously, I th- it went, it's the way it cuts like this, along with these ugly close-ups, and boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. I I actually feel like... I, it it does I a ever... great job of conveying how overwhelmed Karen was feeling. Yeah, man, and that's good, because I feel like if I'm sitting in a room with these people, that's, that's what it, this movie is really all about, is, hey, what's it really like sitting in a room with in a room full of these people? Right. And as a matter of fact, I yeah. love that line. He wanted to get away from her. <laughs> that is so fucking arrogant, uh, Henry. Of course it is. But how how else are you going to delude yourself that that what you're doing is is fine? Yep. And then once again, the sex in these these really violent mob movies really mild by comparison. Right. But that's probably because the MPAA is like, dude, this movie's really violent and profane. Like, can you just like tone it down? I mean, who knows? Maybe right. were, maybe it was a little extended or whatnot, or or not. I don't know. Like, because again, they layer this shit with dialogue so much. All right, right here. Watch this. Oh shit! The way they, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of times where I feel like slaps are very intimidating. These guys make it fucking intimidating. Oh my god. God. The sound of them is gunshots, I swear. Yeah. Let's see, that's another big red flag, because that's... Right, but it, see, it, that's, that's that also, kind of thinking. Right, but that also goes back to my whole thing about, like, oh, he wasn't really involved. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, for real. He wasn't that involved. There's no outsiders. He's with these people all the time. Well, it's 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 not even and, just that, and, but yeah. Well, and and I get it. You know, they're gonna say not that involved because sure, he couldn't be made. He he couldn't actually be in. However, guess what? You're making a lot of money for the mob. The mob's gonna pay attention. And G- and Jimmy was making a lot of money for him, and he was in Jimmy's crew. Yeah. So there you go. Really, it's the thing that that scares me the most is that cult kind of thinking, where he's like, this is literally the only life all of them ever really know because they don't have anything to compare it to, you know? Yeah. That's why it's fucking normal, these people, even though it's far from normal from the truth. Because they don't have any frame of reference for what we for what we feel and what we what how we live our lives, you know? And yeah. that's that's the scary thing because it becomes a cult, even though it's like one of the now this sequence here with the photographs. I used to look at you know the photos for, you know from my family from like the eighties and seventies and whatnot. They looked exactly like this. It's kind of it, it legit kind of scares me actually. 
Because <laughs> I see photographs like that, and I immediately have flashbacks of, like, you know, all those old photos that my ma and I would go through every once in a while when we do our spring cleaning. Oh, Jesus Christ. I love this song. Oh, who doesn't, man? <laughs> and that's the that, and I think that's the reason why they use that shit. Well, that's why they use that, man. They gotta have that shit yep. to draw you in and give it that class. Cause they cause they make the the mob looks fucking, you know, the most amazing time ever. And speaking of most amazing times ever, the way they do this. <laughs> <laughs> Damn! What man? As if a man has to be convinced. It just oh, all right. Oh shit! And once again, that needle drop going on because they had this discipline, and one that I tried to carry over when I was first starting out, and never, and thank God, never did. Um, not not because you know I didn't make it, but just because. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't want to be embarrassed by this shitty-ass movie that I made as a teenager. Um, but no, uh, like, they had this discipline in this movie, and they and this kind of carries over to a lot of his other mob movies. Any needles, any song that they use for Needle Drop, it has to have, it, whatever date this is within the context of the movie, it has to be uh -huh. at least three years old. Yeah. You know, so that way it gives that contextualization of what, what time period you are and where you are, and it adds to that level of authenticity. Oh, Billy Bats. So, something that they don't they don't include in here, but besides the ball busting, one of the main reasons that they end up whacking Billy is because Jimmy and his crew had taken over Billy's rackets when he went into jail, and they didn't want to give them back. They yeah. wanted to keep making that money. Yeah, man. Oh, shit. The fucking shine box. The motherfucking shine box. <laughs> oh, just, just watch Joe Pesci's performance here, man. Just look at his Just watch his eyes. Hey, you know, you know what? I bet you, I, you know, it would be really great. Someone needs to redub this thing. So, but not Joe Pesci, just uh, uh, Billy Bats here. Redo it so it's um, Billy Bats making fun of Joe Pesci's uh, rap single, Wise Guy. Because, because it would just be like, yeah, that fucking rap single fucking sucks. Can suck. we not talk again? Can we not talk about it again? Stop cribbing <laughs> history, buffs. Oh no, 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 no! I, I, I actually found out about that before I watched history buffs, and I thought it was <laughs> fucking great. I'm like, are you kidding me? Because I, I was reading up on uh, uh, Joe Pesci, because remember this guy won the Academy Award for this movie, and I was reading up on him because mostly because of his return to acting for uh, the uh, the Irishman. And I was looking mm -hmm. up his career and just kind of going down a weird rabbit hole like you do. And I saw that he made a single. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? And I looked it up and I'm like, this is stupid and amazing. I love and hate this. This is, oh my God, this is dumb. I love it. I will, I promise you, I will oh. link a description in be the below for you guys. Because it is, 
It's amazing. You got you guys. You got to listen to it. Joe Pesci does a gangster rap called Wise Guy. It's amazing. <laughs> but I do want you know just someone to do a read edit of him. Just be like getting all pissed off about it. <laughs> oh, here we go. And they don't, yeah, they don't really cover this, but this club that they're in was owned by 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 uh, Henry. Oh yeah, that's right. And then, of course, this was a kind of... And that's why you see him at the end there looking at the books. He owns the club. Yep. And this is why he's an accessory to Billy Bat's murder. Just watch the editing of this. Boom. You see how they speed it up to get that kind of effect? Because they use these editing tricks to make them, give them like a a hyper-real quality to them. You know? Like, if, if you were punched that hard, you'd probably be, you know, speeding up your frames, too. Oh, I love the blood. fact you can just see the blood flow. Yeah, the blood going right onto him. Boom. Damn. And now every time... A lot of these songs are ingrained into my head because of this movie. You know? Because <laughs> every time I hear this song, all I hear is just Billy Bats getting the fuck beat out of him. Or if I hear uh, Layla by Eric Clapton and I hear the, uh, the piano <laughs> exit at the end, all I see are dead bodies. That's it. That's just it. That's dead bodies, like, everywhere. Like, meat locker, garbage bag, Cadillac, all over. <laughs> so... But you know what? That's kind of what good movies do, right? Is they take, oh, songs, yeah. they take songs and they will ingrain memories into you. Oh, this I love this fucking scene, man. I get into their grandmother, his mother's house, and also the house that uh, my grandmother lived in when I was a kid mm-hmm. looked uncannily like this. So again, a lot of this stuff that I'm seeing on screen, and, and feels, of course we, yeah. uh, of course we know this is her big moment. Yeah, when Ma, uh, Mama Scorsese. Uh huh. But for but for real, man, it's just uncanny. Even my my grandmother even had those same glasses in that hair. So it's so when I was watching this movie for the first time and many times since, I'm always uncomfortable how close <laughs> this movie is to where I was, you know, in my life growing up. It's it it it, it, it blows my mind actually. And also, you gotta love how their mother literally stops to cook them a fine meal at probably at like three in the morning. Okay. So, but oh, the ketchup on the steak. Yeah, he was so specific about wanting (laughs) to do things how Jimmy did that he literally like, like the actual Henry Hill had to eventually call and tell him because he wanted to know exactly how Jimmy would have dealt with ketchup. Oh yeah, hell, he even had talked to Jimmy uh, to to Jimmy Burke um, in prison, and he was telling him like you know how to fucking hold a cigarette and all these little tiny specific things too. Yeah, and he would be call after he got first got a hold of Henry. He would be calling him multiple times a day, trying to figure oh, yeah. out accuracies. Yeah, man. I mean, what the hell else are you gonna do in prison? Am I right? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not Jimmy. He was oh, also was, calling oh, yeah, well, Henry. Well, I know uh, Jimmy uh, called called uh, Robert Bobby De Niro too a lot too. Yeah. So, and, and besides, I can understand now. I mean, what the hell else are you gonna do in prison? 
Well, or, uh, or on witness protection, I guess. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he was no. Uh, Jimmy was uh, no, he no. Was doing Jimmy time. was in prison, but he was okay. He was calling Henry a lot, though. Too is what I'm. Oh, saying. okay. I see what you mean. Okay, I got you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but seriously, it's just—it's got to be just like uh, you know your Catholic ma cooking you a full-blown meal at like three in the morning, or God knows how late they are. Right. Oh, and I love this this picture. And that that painting was actually done by the co-script writer, who's the guy who wrote the book. Yeah, uh, called Nick, Wise Guy. That this is yeah, made. Nick, uh, Nick Palagini. Is it? Is that it? Yep. Uh, or Nicholas Pelegi, excuse me. Yeah. Although, you know what's actually fun? Uh, I actually have a a print of that painting ah! hanging up because, yeah, I thought, man, what, if I could have a prop from this movie, what would be fun? And I thought, hey, that'd be a really a real fun replica to to, to make. And then back, we're back to the beginning. And it get, well, did you see how he opens the trunk and then it goes to that? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And and that brief freeze flame on Yo, uh, the, the muzzle gunshot. flash. Yeah. Man, the way they pump up the reds on that, that's some mm -hmm. good shit. But yeah, that that's that was kind of the turning point for Henry was uh, Billy Bats, man. That's where he's like, I'm fucked, you know, no matter what. Oh man, that's another thing that I thought that chills me how casual it is, you know. <laughs> And then you got to watch what you say, man. <laughs> you got to watch what you fucking say in front of these guys. Because just as Henry was saying, like, you know, they get into old arguments over nothing. And before you knew it, one of them would be dead. And that's kind of how Scorsese likes to portray his violence is just <laughs> honest. You know, he wanted it to be so sudden it felt accidental, you know. Yeah, that that woman's probably really lucky she's in a crowd right now, you know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If this was, if this was at home, she'd probably, you know, she'd probably have, like, a, a you know, a whiskey glass cracked over her head. Yeah. Especially if it was uh, from the wrong guy, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, what a wonderful song for this. Where you just... You pretend you don't see, you don't see a shit, man. <laughs> You're looking the other way, because these girlfriends, these girlfriends are not associated with the wives. This is the way they backstab, and they just turn a blind eye to that shit.
Oh. That's how you direct a movie right there. That's how you use music. Okay? You don't just like throw in, you don't just like throw together an assembly cut, pick your song and then just kind of edit the song to kind of awkwardly fit. No. You fit you find them cuz like I said, editing is 70% rhythm. And if you have a song to drive the scene, get that song first and have the song drive the scene. It'll make it much better and it'll flow so much more beautifully. Because, you know, you hear a really prime example, big Hollywood tentpole movie um, uses uh, – Star- did you see Star Trek Beyond? Yeah. Okay, so you know how they bring back the Beastie Boys sabotage song? Yeah. When you actually, when you actually put it in, like, you know, you, they, they hit play on the track, like, let's make some noise, you know – uh, they'll they'll play it and they kind of, the song kind of jumps all over the place to fit the action and whatnot. Now, can you imagine if they're like, okay, we're committing to this song. Now let's actually try to let that song, like you know, actually drive the the uh, the musical the, or the action a little bit. I mean, yeah, if you that, want to trim a little bit no, and whatnot, that's fine. But no, actually, that that method uh, actually resulted in one of my favorite shows ever. Oh, what's um, that? Cowboy Bebop, most almost all the music was written before they'd done the animation yeah, or, exactly. or a lot of Hell, the scripts. Fuck yeah. And they dude. did it to make it and it so worked. Yo, yeah, dude, are you kidding me? Like even when I saw Cowboy Bebop for the first time, this is when back when I was a real snob against anime. Now I actually really enjoy it. Um when I first watched it, they're like, Oh, you and, gotta uh, see and, this. And I love that right there. That needle drop, but then it, but yeah. like just before Boom. the scene cuts, but you know it's coming and it kind of yep. gets you going. Yep, yep, that's some good shit right there. But no, yeah, I was watching Cowboy Bebop the first time. Didn't really get into it. I think I watched the first two or three episodes, and I was like, eh, this is okay. But the music is fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the one thing that I really took away, and that's the whole reason why I came back, and now it's Ooh. like one of my all-time favorites. But yeah, that's your right. When you have oh, music, d- d- oh, this, this right shit. here though oh. is oof, oof. Again, take going with, and I love that they keep the motif of those rear headlights. You know, yeah, and how it's literally hell, emer- just emerging to come and get them. And I love how nonchalant these guys are. Oh, fucking hell god so yeah i i have a very sensitive nose and this just seems like the absolute hell to me mm-hmm. dude and at that fucking point i would uh, I, I would say just get rid of the fucking car you know right get rid of the fucking car get that shit over to uh to a, a junkyard crush that thing get a new one because I mean, shit, man. I, I, you would have thought that they would have brought like a tarp or something for that, you know? Oh my god! And you know, the, that's another thing this movie uh, talks about is like, you know, uh, that uh, um, Henry only had like one or two girl uh, girlfriends on the side while he was uh, with Karen and whatnot. No, he had like a shitload of them. There was all strings. Oh yeah. Like it wasn't just you know just you know these two here. Uh, I'm pretty. I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm. I I, I want to say that literally all these gals. Yeah, Henry Hills had his dick in like almost every one of them. I'd like to think that's like the what they were trying to go for. Yeah, this fucking push in. 
God damn. That's one of the most violent things I've ever seen, man. God. Look at the, the power in these eyes, man. Just in that body language. I, I love the fact that, like, that little Shit. bump trip there wasn't intentional, but they kept it in because it oh, worked yeah, man. so well. Oh, man. And yeah, it does. Oh, oh this scene. Oh, fucking Spider. Spider. Shit. <laughs> and you know what's crazy? Like, it's, it's nuts. Now, I don't know if it totally is. But according to the real Henry Hill, this shit, this also really happened, man. Oh, yeah. And I think there was only one line of dialogue in here that was actually, like, scripted and locked into this. And that's when he's like, hey, why don't you go fuck yourself, Tommy? Because the dialogue, the way this shit rolls around, man. Oh my god. And you know what's also really brilliant that nothing else no one else talks about? The guy that they get to play Spider, I'm so glad that they kinda cast this kid that kinda looks <laughs> like the kid that they cast for young Henry Hill. I mean a little bit, but you know, well, you know, different he, enough. And, and he would go on, obviously, to play, you know, to star in uh, The Sopranos. Fuck me, yeah. There's a lot of Sopranos alumni on this. Oh yeah. Oh, Jesus. Christ. And these guys just like, nah, yeah, what? That was a really good game. Totally. To totally right. unfazed but no i really love that they kind of cast the guy to kind of sort of you could think that hey maybe this guy is like a cousin to the young version of henry you know but there's just enough resemblance where you subliminally think hey man that kid that's that spider kid that could have been henry as a kid you know yeah that's that's the real thing about it is that that easily could have been him at the cab stand. Like, he was just serving drinks or a sandwich. Yep. He gets it wrong or something. One of the guys pulls up a gun and fucking shoots him in the foot. And just to look tough, he's like, why don't you go fuck yourself? And they fucking kill him. You know? Yep. That's, that's the nature of this, this life, man. Is that it can claim you at any time. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man, the way they cut that, that's that yell. Oh, I love that. Yeah, seriously, that that kid right there, that could have been Henry as a as a kid at the cab stand back in the day. You know, now we know we talked about how the, the there was a lot of the, the, the there was real money used when Jimmy Conway comes in for the first time. I wonder if yeah. that's real money too. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Might be. At, at this distance, it's hard to see. 
Well, I mean, at any distance. I mean, most um, uh, prop money is uh, actually pretty good. From yeah. Because they only have, like, this is made for – it's usually, you know, this is not actual currency. is really, right. really mm -hmm. tiny, actually, and hardly ever shows up in close-up. But then, yeah, this shit right here. God damn. All right, there's one small little touch that I really wish Scorsese got, but um, in a weird way, I'm also glad that he didn't because it makes the scene just that much more shocking. What's that? When Tommy's just sitting there, just kind of simmering and just like with rage, ready to pull out his gun and, and shoot him while they're all like, you know, joking and laughing. Right. I almost wish that they had a plume of cig cigarette smoke in front of his face, hmm. you know, as if he's simmering with rage visually this this is like the halfway point yeah like and that's what's nuts is that you're, you're kind of like where else is it gonna go look at this already yeah actually right there where um that's actually where it skips over on the dvd and that's why i was so fucking frustrated when i watched it for the first time i'm like hey what no you're doing this side a side b shit no keep going <laughs> you're ruining the flow of the movie which is why I really hope you cats out there are uh, watching this well, on Blu-ray. To me, it sounds well. It sounds like the DVD you had was before they were doing Dual Larry. Uh, it, it, I don't know. I, it's just like they think the uh, the original DVD release for Goodfellas was just uh, really primitive because, I don't know, they didn't think it was going to be any good or something. But a lot of people must have got pissed off about it and were like, no, we want the full <laughs> thing. And that's why the, the, uh, the Blu-ray version is uh, a lot more superior. Oh, man, dude, this shit right here. Can you imagine waking up to this shit? <laughs> now, it, you know, you're right. Even when she's doing, like, fucked up shit like this, yeah, she is still a little too innocent. She probably should have lost her innocence a lot sooner in the movie. Right. Like, there probably should have been some, either, like, a uh, one moment or a small string or like a montage of things yeah. from her perspective where you can be like, no, she's gone. She's, she's fucking gone. You, you know what this makes you wonder though? What's that? Where do you get cartridges without powder in them? Cause <sighs> there are bullets in that gun. And you know, the only way you are filming that is if you have bullets in there that have no powder. Because you're not having a gun and a camera that expensive. No, no, that no, no, no. Accidentally go off. <laughs> Oh, you know what it probably is? They're probably, like, actually welded in there. So, like, the bullets are there, ah, but the gunpowder's yeah, out. Be. Yeah, because, you know, prop guys, they do a whole bunch of these things to, uh, oh, to yeah, hold yeah. up, even in close-up, man. Right, but it's just a matter of, like, I don't know how that, like, what they do. But they do something. I'm like, I wonder what they do. That's all. Yeah, well, they what they probably did was they, uh, you know, took the actual bullet casings, the, the bullets out of the casing, yeah. dumped the gunpowder, and then put the bullets back in, and they just either glued it or, or welded it in into the gun yeah. itself. So it looks loaded, but it's completely non-firing. So that's probably what it was. And, it's, and, and, it, and it helps that this gun is not fired in this scene. Yeah. You know? Now, I'm real. Now, don't you just. This is intense, man. And I'm actually kind of, you know, it almost, it, 
it almost makes me think that Scorsese kept this entire performance in the wide right. shot without cutting away, without doing it again, because it was too intense for the actors. Y you, know? you know, it could be. That's because when you really look at that, when you see that performance, the way he tugs on her hair and the way she's shaking and contorts her legs around him. Fuck, dude. Like, it's intense. And as an actor, emotionally, that shit's hard to deal with. So I'm almost thinking, you know, Scorsese was taking mercy on him. And, like, he's like, no, we're, we're not going to do this multiple times. We're not going to have, like, you know, two cameras or anything. We're just going to do this one take in the long shot because it, you know, speaks to the truth of the moment. But it also really eases the pain on the actors, man, because doing that once and just letting it all go and letting that performance be as strong as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Paulie, in, in the real life Paulie, he uh, sorted things out a little bit too personally almost. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, I think the reason they kept that out in this movie is because they they really wanted, you know, Pauly to look more like a surrogate father in this movie. And, you know, it's it's just uh, to a general audience, I feel it would be kind of weird if, you know, you had your the father figure of the movie, you know, start fucking around with the guys, you know, with the lead protagonist. It's yeah, kinda, but at the same time, that tracks with the mob. It is. It is. Um, it does track, but I'm just saying to a general audience, it's just, you know, a way to kind of ease into that a little bit more and to, because it, it, uh, it uses that motif of storytelling that we're used to, to make us understand, okay, yeah, he really is the, uh, um, the, 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 the father figure of this movie. Cause it's, it's kind of the same deal of like, you know, having Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, getting busy with leia all of a sudden in just the original <laughs> just just in 1977 when you had no context for anything else and it was just that self-contained movie yeah it doesn't feel right does it i mean yeah i know they're supposed to be like good guys and bad guys and sort of thing but that's that's the point that i'm making though is that is that if you fuck around with that motif then the audiences won't it won't be as strong of a message to the audience i mean yeah and obviously, like you're you're gonna adjust the movie to work for a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but and you would think something like this is something as crazy and random as this isn't real. Trust me, this shit happened. Oh yeah. Fucking hell. You know, it's in it's times in historical movies like this where I look at them and like I see these insane moments or weird happenstances and I'm like okay, that's almost weird enough to make me feel like that was a real thing, you know, cuz life is far stranger than fiction. Yeah, man, you you <laughs> you t you tuned up the wrong man, dude. I love uh I love the the black and white photos there though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh it 
It actually kind of, it, it kind of, well, I mean, it didn't come out until a year later, but it kind of makes me think of uh, some of the stuff that Oliver Stone was doing in JFK with the uh, the um, the black and white photography and to get that kind of semi-documentary feel. And that's that's I think what this movie really does is that it's semi-documentary almost because you know Scorsese always described this as uh, you know just like a hoodlum on the streets come up to you and be like, hey, come here, you know, I want to tell you a story. And then this is the movie of that story. Oh, and then, of course, probably one of my favorite songs of the movie. <laughs> Old Bobby Darren. Wait for it. Cut. I mm. love that line, though. Now take me to jail. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this, man. And what I love here is that this was not exaggerated. No, man. Like, the... the they, pre they, they, I mean, they straight up, they're like, we own the fucking joint. Like, we, this is, we, so we're living I like mean, it's, 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 it's no longer like this, but at the time, yeah. Yeah. Not gonna lie, though, this, this really, really makes me appreciate their, the Italian cooking. Can you imagine how good these meals must have been? <laughs> you got the pork and the sauce. You got these wonderful veggies and all these herbs and sides. You got these beautiful loaves of bread, red and white wine. Oh man, dude, these these uh, dinners must have been delicious. <laughs> yeah, steaks. Let me tell you, pan seared steak. Yeah, You're right. It it will it will smell up the place, but it'll be tasty as heck. How do you take your steaks, Sean? How do you take them? Medium rare. Me? Oh, you take them medium rare? Oh, okay. So you're the aristocrat of the joint. Huh? <laughs> oh, see, I'm I taking, know how to eat. I'm taking mine medium or medium well. Usually just medium. Blasphemy. No, I'm taking... I, I just want a little bit of pink, man. I did just a little bit. Blasphemy. Ah, oh, suck it. <laughs> Well, I only go medium rare when they when you know they make their steaks like super ridiculously over the top bloody, and I'm like, nah, it's not me. I prefer them nice and even, right in the middle, medium. Nope, nope, nope. Well, hey, well, hey, at least I'm there with you that the the people who like their shit well done can put. We ask them, we ask them politely but firmly to leave. <laughs> I mean. Uh, I'm I'm kind of putting you in that category. <laughs> hey man, I said medium, not well done. Medium well is the the highest I will ever go, and that's only to compensate if their steaks are overly bloody. You know, <laughs> if I'm going to like an outback steakhouse that has these really bloody steaks and whatnot, or just known for that, then I'll go medium rare or or, or medium well. But usually, like nine times out of ten, I'm going medium. All the way. If I order medium rare and it comes in a bit more on the rare side, I'm still eating it and I'm still happy. Oh, I'll still eat it, man. Right, steaks, like... <laughs> good steaks, a good steak, man. Oh so, shit! You know what I love here is, as, as so often is the case. Prison is not a pl is a place where you learn how to do crime, not that deters you from it. Oh yeah, no, for real. Like as, as a matter of fact, the best line, one of the best lines from Shawshank Redemption, I is like the irony is like I was uh, outside, I was clean as a whistle, 
squeaky clean. I had to go to prison to learn how to become a crook. And you know what? There's a lot of fucking truth to that shit. You know, if you, because the, 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 you've yeah. got to learn how to do crime on the inside just to stay alive or to stay afloat, you know? Oh, yeah, this here. Man, even the way they <laughs> highlight that shit, you know? Now, I know they're doing this for the sake to make this scene just as uncomfortable as possible. Um, right. But uh, you, actually, the meetings like this, where it would be outside on a beautiful grounds out on a picnic table. Huh. Yeah, because, again, like... Remember, they these guys own the joint, so he got he had the king's uh, a, a kind of king's uh, uh, live, way of living it. But for the sake of the tension in this scene, I can understand why they would want to do it. You know, in the general visiting area. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> that's another thing these guys were all were really really against back in the day is they weren't they weren't like they wouldn't be all about like we ain't gonna be looking for a handout or anything or right. some kind of fucking schmuck uh, we were we some kind of red commie because you know that was kind of <laughs> the, the thinking back in the day but uh yeah they wouldn't be ones for to take a handout or anything they needed money they'd steal it <laughs> and see this is this is where stuff goes sideways you go in jail you realize that the real money's in narcotics i mean this guy was making crazy money on the street goes to jail and realizes he could be making 10 times more doing oh, yeah. narcotics yeah yeah unfortunately that's what they uh, they slapped the wrist even harder on that shit because that's even even far more criminalized. Yeah, the payout's better, but the risk is even higher. Well, yeah, but you know, and I think it, that's it, I think that's why it, the old it, school it, guys it, wanted to stay away from it. You know, because it's I too mean, high yeah, risk. They did, I mean, they did for you know a time, but it it became that even the Godfather said it best: the pay so well they can't say no. Yeah, yeah. And look at the production design on this shit. Because I always see, like, especially in like student films and whatnot, um, the environments they never feel lived in. You know, it's always these empty, blank, sad boy apartments. <laughs> and I get that's usually what's in their budget and whatnot, but I always appreciate a well dressed set. <laughs> Oh, once again, man! Can you imagine? I can practically taste those meatballs and that pasta. <laughs> Seriously, can you imagine what it would be like just to eat with these guys? Look, if you can, if you think you can, if you can just have like one meal with these guys, I think I'd actually be like, man, that's probably one of the best Italian right? dishes I've ever had in my life. But yeah, I don't really do. Uh, but I think it was like in at least during the height of their power in like the uh, the late '60s, early '70s, 
where uh, these guys were like, look, we don't these the the risk is just too fucking high yep. to be doing drugs, so we don't want to be doing that. But it wasn't until like the late 70s and early 80s where you know that shit was rampant that the uh, and it was because you know the payoff was so good they just couldn't stop. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that slap right there. And then, again, the needle drop. Um, of course, we got to have fucking gimme shelter. But so, just like, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm staying out of that. Immediately cuts to a mountain of coke. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Even with Sandy snorting more more than than she she mixed. Yeah. Fucking hell. God. (laughs) Right in the middle. Of a federal building, and they haul yep. all this money. Good lord! Holy hell! Look at this lavish shit. Oh, this. Okay. That couch there. You're not gonna <laughs> believe this, but uh, I totally have that exact same couch. It's not white. It's uh, navy blue, but. Oh, dude! You you have a couch with a zebra print in the middle of it? No, no, no! It's the it's it's the, <laughs> it's not it, it's the same couch, but instead of white leather, it's like navy blue leather. And without the zebra print? Yes, yes. No, the but zebra, the zebra pr- print makes it. No, well, well, I do have a blanket over it, um, but it's not zebra print, and and it's one that my fiance made, so it makes it more special. But uh, I will I will attest to you, that couch is fucking comfortable. <laughs> it is super i am i wouldn't I, I i know a lot of people uh who you know uh visit me when when or whatever and stay the night they are always like man that is one of the most comfortable couches i've slept on hmm. yeah man it's it's good and i got it for free this wonderful <laughs> wonderful uh friend of a family who uh were moving out and they didn't have a place for it and they're like look you can have this for free so long as it oh, stays and, in the family and here we go it's high yeah. five the Lufthansa heist. And of course, someone that uh, you're like, holy shit, he was in this? Wait for it. And, and here we go! Yo! One of the early roles, Nick Fury himself, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah! 
Back when he had hair, too, you know? Right. <laughs> Damn. That was a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. What, what was uh, this woman's name? Because um, I've seen her in a couple of other uh, Scorsese movies. Shit. Oh, either way, I know I've seen her around in a couple other movies. But also, now this shit gets like, holy fuck. He's got all that coke in the diaper bag. Powdered milk, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, oh, yeah, officer, this is just baby powder. <laughs> like, no, no, it's, it's it's a powdered milk mix for the baby. Yeah, or one of the two, Eight man. balls! Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right, now listen carefully to the sound design here. Now, I'm not, I'm want to say it's just the acoustics, but I think they distorted it just so slightly because of the drugs that they're on. Do you hear it? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Because, like, you might think, it, hey, maybe it's just the reverb of the room or whatnot. But I think that they actually, you know, filtered it through, like, something <laughs> to get that, you know, that feel that they're on drugs. Which I love. I mean, that's a wonderful and, little touch. And I love the, uh, I love the fact that they're, uh. You know, they point out, like, everything's dirty, because it actually was. His house was so clean, they didn't find the information to book him until they raided his girlfriends. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this shit, where he hears about the heist. All right, I love this cut where it... Right here. <laughs> the way that cuts to a Christmas song. It's motherfucking... Right. They just had the biggest heist in American history. It is fucking Christmas, bitches! A Christmas song from Phil Spector's Christmas album. Oh my god, you're totally right. Yes! I used to... Yeah, man, I used to play this all the time. And Every year, I anytime I hear this one, I'm like, I immediately go to this. Just like... It's it's early Christmas, bitches, and we got a pink Cadillac and fur coats. Right. Oh, and then, of course, he's like, man, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, man, you can't be buying anything big. Don't buy anything big. You know, it, I, I get that, you know, they got a lot more than they were bargaining for. Because, look, like, well, this is what, uh, 70, <laughs> 75, 76? Uh, I, I don't remember the specific year, but, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, oh, here here we go, the Lufthansa heist. That was, uh, yeah, okay, so this is December 1978. Uh, so you can imagine how much $6 million would be in 1970s money. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> like, that's easily, like, you know, almost 17, 8, 17 20 million nowadays. So uh, when they're used to only stealing, like, maybe a million in, by the equivalent of today. Right. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, you don't know fuck. Hey, man, seriously, you got to work smart on this stuff. You rob, so you rob someone, you make sure you do not get anyone flashy. 
Right? I think this is. Uh, you know what? I think this is what the genius of break. One of the th- genius things that Breaking Bad commented on: the shittier the car the uh, the character's driving, the richer and more lucrative he is. Probably, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, like you know, uh, what was it uh, when they were investigating Gus Fring, and he's like, "This is fucking genius. This guy's driving a goddamn used convertible or or, or used Volvo." Right, <laughs> and he's fronting as one of the biggest cr- uh, drug lords in ABQ, because that's because Gus Fring is smart when it deals with this shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and I love how uh, it's essentially just like, uh... oh, this. Jesus. I'm actually kind of surprised she's lasted this long. Because, uh, yeah, Tommy, Tom, man, Tommy, uh, he's all, he's all over the place, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, Maury. This is, yeah, I know. This is probably the reason why Maury's dead and... Uh, um, Henry gets to live is because yeah look we know we got a bi- a bigger payoff than what we were expecting from the heist but uh, I'm I'm smart enough to keep my fucking mouth shut and right. not demand a bigger payment because that's what Maury's that's what Maury's like you know uh, uh, up you know blowing up skirts and everywhere because he's like hey man we got a bigger payoff I want a bigger percentage like I want I want more. I want more. Give me my money. So, <laughs> and he and because of all that, all that stirrups that that he was causing with everybody, he gets whacked for it. Yep. And I think that's another reason why it, this the, uh, the Lufthansa thing was so uh, was such a damning thing for them because they again they weren't expecting that much, that kind of a payoff. They, yeah. were expe- uh, they were expecting half that at, at most. But um, it also says how much, you know, that uh, Polly had to trust um, Jimmy because, like, you know that he, uh, like, you can't just go whack at all those guys. Like, that had mm-hmm. to be sanctioned. Yeah. So, you know, Polly got paid off and he had to be worried too like and you saw he doesn't want to go to jail so anything bringing heat yeah and you don't need that kind of heat because remember that's kind of the same reason why uh in point break where they only go for the registers they don't go for the vault because they don't get greedy you don't want to get too greedy if you like get too greedy you get uh, like just things get messed up and speaking of messed up here man again once again you doing everything in a long Wide shot. (laughs) (laughs) It feels so casual, you know? (laughs) I love that. I know, right? And watch it. God damn. Whew. You also got to really remark, how good is that blood squib effect? 
The fact right. that it's done all in the wide shot. <laughs> and you know what's even crazier? If you look, uh, yeah, I know with the fucking coffee, man. But if you watch close that shot in the wide, there was a picture frame in there that totally got yeah. splattered with blood. And I'm oh, yeah. so glad that Scorsese did not use like a close up of that because it's so yeah. overused and overdone. But oh shit, yeah. You see the blood in the background? Yep. Yep. Don't get high on the job, man. Yeah. Although I can also kind of see why a lot of people would be resent that scene a lot because literally the only black guy in the movie gets whacked in the yeah. most grotesque way. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, shit. I love the fact, though, that at the start of this scene, you see him messing with his nose. He's establishing he's high out of his oh, mind right now, he's which is part, of, part yeah. of the reason for the paranoia. Yeah. But I also love this reaction where he goes, they're going to make you? Oh, shit. We're opening up the books. Sound like John Gotti. Hey, you ever actually, did you ever see Gotti? The one with John Travolta that got... You actually watched it? Uh, oh, no, no, no. I've seen Gotti. I ha like, as the person. I have not okay. seen the movie. No. Why would I? Uh, Yeah, skip that sh piece of shit. It's it's god-awful. The only, the only, I mean, outside of the hilarious, honest trailer that they did of that movie, um, I actually knew one of, the, uh, one of my stand-up friends. Uh, he actually had a nude scene in Gotti that wound up getting <laughs> cut. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of funny, um, but yeah, that that was a piece of shit movie. It is I, honest trailers as always. They describe it perfectly. It's as if someone watched uh, um, Goodfellas on uh, a, a whole bunch of times while they were sleeping and decided to write a script. <laughs> it's so bad. Although it, you know, speaking of God, it is. Um... It is widely believed, even though they've never actually found um, Tommy's body, it is believed that Gotti himself whacked him. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because uh, that. Gotti had, you know, Gotti being uh, high in the Bambino family and having an association with Billy Bats, it's believed he did it personally as a fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this scene right here. Sunshine of your love. Oh, dude, the menace in that. <laughs> Woo! You know, I got to ask you, because obviously this is one of Robert De Niro's fine, finer roles, but yeah. would you say this is his best? I don't think I, th I don't think it's his personal best. No. Honestly, what do you think is his personal best? 
Uh, I mean, that's that's so hard to say because of the variety. I mean, obviously, I know, right? I I may I think my personal favorite's probably um, Taxi Driver. Yeah, but I honestly think his best work might um, honestly be Godfather Two. Cause it's oh, okay. so quiet. It's so it's so much subtler than what I'm you're used to seeing him do. I also thought uh, probably, hey, I'm I'm with you there. I always thought Taxi Driver is kind of his shining moment for me, at least for me personally. Um, but I also think I kind of acknowledge that probably his best role, his absolute, like at his uh, the absolute best performance he's ever given, was probably Raging Bull. That's just me, because. Mm. Especially the dedication where he gained I mean, I, 60 I, pounds I, I, for that. I like his performance there. I'm just not a huge fan of the movie. Like, that's a character I didn't really resonate with. Yeah, I mean, I I, I probably liked it a little bit more than you did. But, yeah, I'm kind of there with you, which weirdly. Which is so weird to say because, you know, Scorsese's known for making at least one grand american masterpiece a decade you know in the 70s yeah. it was taxi driver in the 80s it was raging bull goodfellas was the 90s 2000s was the departed and you could probably argue maybe that uh wolf of wall street was like the 2010s you know yeah. just like one tr like great american masterpiece that have kind of interconnected themes and character study tropes <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> you know it's at this point where even if you haven't seen this movie based on the kind of tropes that he does where all these guys are just kind of bantering and whatnot you yeah. should know he's gonna get fucking whacked oh yeah yeah Oh, yeah. See, they even mentioned how they were. That's the only mention of it, of him shaving points up in Boston from, yep. from his money. But, man, dude, the way that murder is, it's just that little, uh, and that's it. Oh, my God. Not, they're not even phased about going to chop up a body. Like no, either. no. And at this point, they're you know what they're arguing about. Like, hey man, I'm waiting for the car to warm up. Warm up, right? warm you up. Fucking go. Yeah. See, this is how when when got and the guys in the mafia got whacked. They, yeah, they get whacked, but you wouldn't see. You wouldn't find a fucking body. You were lucky if you yeah. found a body. Like, the only time you're going to find a body is if they're specifically trying to send a message. Otherwise, they don't want anything left around. Yeah, uh, usually the only time you'll find a body is by sheer circumstance. Like, uh, Well, um, no, or as I said, there are times where it's like there's a body because it's a message. Yeah, uh, e either it's a it, they they'll leave a body as a message, but otherwise they will just disappear like nothing. Yep. Um, and the only time you'll ever find like an unintentional mob body is just by sheer circumstance. Like, uh, um, like Joe Pesci's character in Casino, when he gets buried yeah. out in the, the sticks out in the cornfield. Yeah, a farmer dug him and his brother up. 
just by just by you know plowing the fields and shit. So yeah, uh, only it's only then that they'll find them by circumstance. But otherwise, oh no, that shit's a message. And I'll again. I love I love this scene with just dude, like the kids though. Yeah, that because again, once again, Scorsese is channeling that childhood where he witnessed some violent gangsters as a kid and he didn't understand it at the time but now he's making a beautiful work of art of cinema where he can finally come to terms with what he saw and the things that he grew up with Man, even the fucking pink slip yeah again probably the only reason why they're finding bodies like this is um uh, because they were whacking them so fast that they couldn't get rid of them fast enough. Oh, hell. So that music cue. Ooh. <laughs> that's how you use needle drop, man. That's the that's because you gotta use the rhythm and the beats to sync it up with that audio. And uh hell, he actually even played this music on the set and location just to get that timing correct. You know? Mm. And that's that's something no one ever does these days. They probably do, but only in very low-budget cinema where, you know, the studios actually don't have any rain to tell them what to do like that, that sort of thing. Because, mm -hmm. you know, all these big movies, these big tentpole movies, they got all these studios and all these investors saying, you got to do this, you got to have a certain per shot parameter, and, oh, you can't use music quite like this, you won't want to use this instead because it's more popular and it tests well with audiences. Like, just shut up and let, you know, sometimes, and look, I get it. You want to protect your investments and whatnot. You want to make money. And you don't want it to turn into a flop. But for the love of fucking God, when you have a really great artist, let him be. Yeah. You oh, know? 100%. I mean, that there, there's so much that you see, you know, in every industry where it's like when somebody is a good artist and they're just given the resources to create and not try to handle the rain in, they, they make great work exactly i mean that's kind of what netflix did with the irishman you know they just basically gave him a blank check to do what he needed to do and he turned he argued turned in a really great masterpiece hell it might just be yeah. you know his masterpiece of this decade the 2020s so who knows maybe maybe we're wrong um oh wait no so, that was 2019 okay. but whatever i, I want to point out in and uh the 2000s the mob did change the rule your dad had to be Italian, Italian yeah. and you have to have an Italian last name. Yeah, yeah, you read that same thing on IMDb as I did, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, but as you know, we talked about the commission. The that's commission true. still exists, and that's 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 from them. Yep. You know, that's a, that was one of the lines where I'm like, God damn, they really don't, they really don't hold no bars. It's like. You know, you, in the voiceover, because, you know, usually they use the, uh, leave the, uh, um, 
the voiceover and they don't keep like a whole lot of profanity in that. But it's like you could fuck around with anybody so long as anyone else is a member. Uh, right. And then, you know, just a license to steal, a license to do anything. And the way it pans out with that long shot, I it it felt that I felt that G- almost GTA levels of gangster. Oh yeah, in here. Boom. And Gone. again, body yeah, but body never found. Don't actually know how he was killed. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a lot of fun that Scorsese's father was the one who pulled the trigger in that scene. Yeah. All right, wait, wait, just wait for the push-in. Boom. Boom. Man, how those dolly push-ins are just... And what, what I love there, though, is like the guy's hesitation to say he's gone. Because yeah. in the mob, when someone's whacked, they're no longer talked about. Like, So once he says he's gone, like Jimmy should know at this point you don't, you're done. You don't talk about it anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like, he, you're, it's over. Yeah. He's gone. That's That's it. I mean, that's it. Can't do nothing about it. Ah, oh, jeez. Oh, you know, sleeping with Henry's wife. Or, or right. ra- raping, like raping him, and Try, yeah, all, well, all this stuff that he was doing, like attempting to, yeah. And plus, it's just one more loose end that's tied from the that ties them. Away I like that though. It was real friends. grease ball shit. It was Italian stuff. Yeah, like grease yeah. ball shit. I like that. That's that's that, that's some good writing there. Yeah. Uh, there was nothing in that casket, man. He's gone. Nope. He's gone. Oh, no, this shit right here. The <laughs> last day in Henry's life. And it's crazy how much time is dedicated. We have uh, exactly 32 minutes left in the movie. Yeah. Uh, so it's crazy that uh, almost a uh, uh, roughly about a fifth of the movie is just his last day. Yep. That's great. That's a crazy structure. And also, this is another way that really taught me the rhythms of this kind of th- uh, of uh, of shooting styles. Also, have you ever had like a really busy day where you're going around doing a whole lot of errands? And every, yes. one, every once in a while, I will flash back to this scene just to be like, I got to be <laughs> over here. I got to be over here. I got to go do this. I got to pick my brother up. I got to go you know, go pick up this. I got to do the groceries. All this sort of thing. And then, you know, I got to cook dinner late at night and just all this shit. Boom, 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 boom. I love the fact that it's like, how arrogant have you become where you think a helicopter is following you and you, uh, you uh just don't stop yeah he you know, at, really at that point he should have been uh he really should have just uh, uh stayed home and called someone in on this shit because yeah but you know what i guess it's one of those things where it's like you know you've got a really busy day things are in motion you're in a rhythm for your own life and you just got to keep going 
then moving into another song and using this 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 bit here. Ready? Yeah! Oh my god! And I think all of us have been there at some point. Yeah. Those moments suck. <laughs> I think this is the part of the movie that really starts to play with you, that uh, that uh, 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 appeals to your punk rock sensibilities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, motherfucking helicopters. Now, this guy who played uh, his brother. He always wanted to be in a Scorsese movie. He's actually just like this, <laughs> this kid who begged Martin to be like, I really want to be in this movie. Um, and I'll do anything. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he, and he always wanted to be in a Scorsese movie because he was a huge fan. Um, he auditioned for him. And uh, eventually he got to be in it. And, he, and he, so he said, yeah, filming this movie was like being a bat boy for the Yankees during the World Series. I wasn't on, I was an actual player. I wasn't like an actual player on the team, but I got a job to do and I was allowed on the field. And it was the greatest feeling I had to that point. Also, that editing there, boom. Did you see the way that that's edited? Yeah, oh, yeah. The way that it goes like from where he looks up in one shot and then he looks up again in the close up and then boom, boom. Man, the way that they do that is so good. This like I said, this movie taught me so much about editing and how you can use discontinuity and edit what's perceived as editing don'ts, quote unquote. Right, yeah. To enhance it to create a hyper realism for for mm -hmm. certain certain scenes. Also, dude, the makeup on these guys are that doesn't get talked about. Like the makeup when Yeah. The, with the sweat. Oh yeah, the, I mean, they, under like their eyes. They, I mean, if you've ever seen somebody strung out, they're looking like it. Yeah, dude. And these guys are high as a kite, man. But not just high, like they've been high a long time. A very <laughs> long time. Jesus Christ. All this shit is so haphazard. Everything be alright this morning. Again, using lyrics to comment on the scenes. Because it's not just about the beats and about the rhythms or anything. No, let's actually use the lyrics to be to either comment on things or hell, let's do something completely in the other direction. You know, that's that's like in the scene where they beat him to death to, to Donovan's Atlantis. Um, <laughs> and it's like you wouldn't think that that goes together, but it weirdly just does because it's there's a weird irony and removal of the situation. Yeah. <sighs> also, man, they are smoking like a chimneys. <laughs> like oh, yeah. the whole movie they are. <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
God. I also love that they cut away before she starts snorting because yeah. it's like, look, we we get it. We know what's going on. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, here's one of the more interesting things that they did for editing in this movie. Um, when uh, she pulls out the uh, uh, the the um, the flight the uh, the fl or her tickets for the for the flight. Uh huh. And I'll point it out because it's coming up in just a moment. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, right here where they pull up the uh, the flight info. There's a black bar. Yep. <laughs> and I know that's got to be like a copyright thing because, you know, the, but still, I just love oh, the, the airline just did not want any association. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. For one reason or another, they legally couldn't do that. So they put the black bar there. But what I find really fucking ballsy about Scorsese is that, no, this shot is so important because, again, we're using freeze frames to highlight yeah. key moments where Henry Hill's life gets spirals out of control um but also really how absolutely stupid was that woman for not using an outside line oh yeah Just yeah I know. Like, I know come on but uh <laughs> my, my, but my point is is that scorsese is felt so strongly that that thematically had to stay in the cut that he's like no i'll put a black bar over it and i'll just eat it i don't give a <laughs> shit i that that is so because really um if someone if, if if any other director uh, was in that situation where they legally couldn't show that, they probably would have just cut it out, you know, be the, be the lesser of it. But Scorsese's like, no. <laughs> oh, you son of a I bitch. I love that. Yep. Mm. Who, but who is eating dinner at like 11 at night? My God. Um, Maybe only, uh, the only person I could think of is maybe like a hobbit. But it's you know <laughs> they already had supper and they and now they're eating dinner, <laughs> but otherwise yeah no. Oh and I all man so we had all this music going, throughout this entire yeah. thing, now we got no music. <sighs> This, the, the the tension in here is so wonderfully done because we've been just like wall to wall music 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 yeah. now it's just <laughs> wait for it oh shit you see the the lights yeah yeah oh shit And right here, I love this 
Not just the performance, but the voiceover. Yeah. Damn. Now this whole bit with the uh, the amount of coke that they had and how she flushed it down the toilet that is fictionalized cuz when mm -hmm. they busted him he only had like one one or two quaaludes in his pocket. Yeah. But it they, wasn't until they, found, they bust They found they found nothing at his house. Yeah. Or on him or on him for that matter. But uh and that that whole thing where they broke in like that with the whole tension. Yeah, that that really didn't happen, but it wasn't until they busted yeah. her his girlfriend where they had loads of evidence, all of it, like enough enough coke to 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 fill up, you know, five flower bags and then some, I'm sure. Yeah, narcs do not play around. No, they do not. <laughs> Yep, right there. All the evidence they would ever need. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how's that cake taste? What we got, Louie? Huh? <laughs> I love that line. Bye-bye, dickhead. <laughs> Or how about see you in Attica? <laughs> Shit. And by the way, so this is something that I did not notice for a very long time. But af in the aftermath of his um, uh, his arrest, yeah. Until the cr uh, uh, until uh, at least until the credits start rolling, there is no music. None. Mm. The soundtrack is dead because his life is now gone. The music was a way to highlight the life, you know, the lifestyle and whatnot. Now that it's all gone, so is the soundtrack. I love that, that little thematic detail. Yeah, it's great. You know, maybe it's because they did. Maybe that uh, that whole thing with the toilet did happen. I'm not entirely sure. Whew. Sixty thousand dollars, literally down the shitter. Yeah. And you know, once again, these really, really intense scenes with each other as actors they keep it in the wide and i'm actually really happy that they keep them mostly in the wide shot because it makes you feel like you're just standing in the corner witnessing yeah. it that's only times when it pushes in here where it's, you know, like a little bit more of a beat. But ultimately, 
Scorsese's like, no, you're just someone here who's just standing and witnessing it. Mm-hmm. And I love this pan right here. It's yeah, like, with the with the fucking gun in his hand. Yup. <laughs> I actually kind of, uh, you know, I always love the subtext that Paulie's the one who's cooking here. He is literally uh, simmering. Yeah. The, the the sound of this of the cooking is the simmering of it, of, of his rage. And I also like that he is basically cooking up an appetizer for what he wants to do with Henry. Yep. He wants to chop him up and slap him on a grill and eat him. <laughs> Basically, he that's 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 kind of the, uh, the the subtext that's going on here, and I I really really like that that choice. <laughs> Gonna take mercy on him, huh? cold yeah but like what's he supposed to do yeah. with him turning his back on him he doesn't know anything else besides criminality what's he supposed to do <laughs> now that line there i i don't attribute to his horrible situation but america's yeah the fu- the funeral industry is ridiculous read into that shit Oh, dude, the funeral and medical industry in this country is ridiculous. Always has been, too. That's the other thing. Like, they always treat it like, oh, it always wasn't that. You know, it was It was always that bad. It was always that bad, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so this one scene, I'm, I always wondered... You know how Robert De Niro had those like giant fucking glasses at the yes. uh, the scene in the diner. I kind of wish he had the same ones here in this scene, just to get, make yeah, him look I, even I could, older. Yeah, because he's still got those glaring eyes that you can use. And once again. The way that they're talking to each other without any music, it's all real casual. It's real good. You should know. Yeah, no. Only difference is Karen got wise. Yep. Seriously, because the way he's going, no, just go around over there. Go around over there. Also, what the hell, uh, where the hell are they? Are they in like a a warehouse where they're stripping shit like i don't know the context of it but for some reason i'm glad that they add all that texture to that set yeah. and that this scene because it just feels real they're, you know? they're, they're... yeah right there man not gonna lie though 
Jimmy's execution of this really fucking sloppy. You know? Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Run! Run, woman! Get out of there! Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. Now, how terrifying is that, actually? Is that it's not the fact that you uh, were almost whacked by someone. It's that you were about to get whacked by a close friend. Yep. How that well, that's, is that's fucking how it is in the mob. It's like your best friend's the one who does it. Yeah, yeah. I met, that's the whole uh, bit. That's the whole great dialogue that's coming up in a bit. Well, shit. Yeah, I'll shake anyone up, man. It's because remember, it's one thing to have you know just some random, random crook you know try to yeah hurt you or whack you or whatnot, but it's another thing entirely to have someone close to you, the one that you spent vacations with and you know had drinks with with and yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Yep. Oh, now this is a shot that is always really underlooked. This is actually a dolly zoom. Watch the background. Hmm, yeah. Yeah, that's a dolly zoom. But it's so subtle, no one ever picks up on it. And there's all and it's not a gimmick either at all. At all. This is show us visually showing that Henry's life is literally closing in on him. Mm -hmm. That shot never gets talked about enough. Like I know the whole tracking shot into the Coco Gabbana, like that gets talked about endlessly. Yeah. No never talks about one of the most, the most brilliant and subtle uses of the dolly zoom. Yeah. See this giant these giant sunglasses or giant glasses yep. <laughs> that almost blow up his eyes to magnifying glasses, make him look like Milton from uh, Office Space. And I get it; they're trying to do just about any makeup or any trick that they can to make them look far older than they actually are, because this is like a story that spans thirty years. Right. So I get it. I get it. You know, you want to put the, uh, the the dye the hair and whatnot. Want to give them big glasses and what? I get it. <laughs> but it's still. <laughs> Freeze. Now that whole thing about he's like I never he never was asked to do a hit before, that is so yeah. not true. The real Henry right. Hill actually did kill people. Oh yeah, they all did. No, of course, that's just the life. And speaking of the real story of Henry Hill, the 
hey, check it out. Uh-huh. Yep. It's the actual guy that prosecuted him and or put him into witness protection. Yep. Isn't that nuts? Like that is, it's it's so crazy that they they found the guy that uh, put him, you know, into witness protection, but they also had him do like do a bit part in a cameo. That's so <laughs> fucking cool. Because look, I as much as we talk about how creative liberties are taken to, for to better the story and whatnot, there it's actually amazing the amount of accuracy this movie has for the real thing, you know. And even if the uh, the like the actual facts and distort things kind of like were uh, uh, were changed and whatnot, the truth of it is still there. Hey. Yep. Excuse um no. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I was the amount of co- the just the amount of the the amount of just coke. And this is one of the only times we see him not in long sleeves and we see the tattoo. Yep. Yep. You know what's really nuts is that Henry, when Henry did get into the witness protection program, he fell right back into the, the stuff and he got kicked out of the witness protection program. So all this is yeah. for shit. Counts for shit. Well, I mean, it, eventually he he lasted a bit, but did still fall back in. Yes. Yeah. You know, when you really look at Henry Hill as a person, I honestly feel, like, almost bad for him. Like, not for anything that he did or said or, or anything, but just the circumstances that pushed him to where he needed. That could have been totally avoidable. In- yeah, but, yeah, hey, but, you know, that's welcome to medical science, that we learned shit. <laughs> yeah. And yet, I feel like we're still, uh, pro- uh, you know, going backwards because of all the disinformation that people pedal out there it's it's such a mess sean oh yeah he is all right this look right here damn (laughs) yep yeah it's crazy though you'd think like a, a a movie that is profoundly about guilt that's a mob movie you'd think that it'd be all about the person like like lamenting of all the things that he did but he's la- nope. but no the thing is he's lamenting of all the stuff that he should could continue to be doing doesn't regret a go- he doesn't regret a goddamn thing which is weird because, you know, the real Henry actually has been very vocal about a lot of the things that he regrets. Um, like, uh, especially for Billy Bats. Like, when he, he's, he still sa- says he has n- he had nightmares for the longest time about that. Yeah. 
Although then again, th thinking about it, I, it's like almost uh, because that was what screwed him for life. Maybe not because he killed a person. <laughs> and I also got to love that that's like the only time when the voiceover uh, goes yeah. to live action. And, you know, then Scorsese would take that trope and go nuts with it with Wolf of Wall Street. I just wished it was a little bit mixed a little bit better because I didn't understand why he was talking directly to me until like the very last bit where he goes, now it's all over. Great train and robbery tribute. <laughs> it, it, to me, it's so weird um, um, that they went into... <laughs> yeah. That the, the the song the the freaking uh version of My Way by uh, Sid Vicious. I'm just yeah. like really like that's what you go out on. Well, I don't see why you're complaining. It's going to your punk sensibilities. Oh, uh, th there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, Jimmy Conway though he died in '96, only a couple years after yeah. that. And now watch now even the credits are kind of remarkable in the way that they get edit uh, oh Thelma Schoonmacher <laughs> right there just hands down one of the best but listen to the song and how it you know has certain beats and how it'll cut to the beats just boom 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 See, even the editing in yeah. the credits, the fucking <laughs> credits is remarkable. So, yeah, uh, I don't think, yeah, Henny Youngman as himself, man. But, so I think we can both say, yeah, that no matter how many times we're going to watch this, this is still going to be one of the greatest American films of all time. Yeah, I mean, it's just incredibly well done. Uh, I, I'll, I'll watch the, oh, look at it, Johnny Roast Beef, John Williams. I'm pretty sure completely unrelated to the the maestro of movies. Uh, but, yeah, man, just that's seriously. I, I, I've watched this movie countless, countless times. And I'm still amazed at the craft. Even all these years yeah. later, it's still all, one of my all-time favorites and one of the most deeply profoundly inspirational movies of my life it's yeah and because i acknowledge not just the craft but the history and what it means to the art form of cinema not in just terms of the editing but the rhythm and the fact that cinema isn't really a great tool to tell stories but it is a fantastic tool to convey mood and atmosphere and this yeah. movie has a real attitude and atmosphere, man. So, um, does it? Because uh, I, I take it now. I gotta ask: uh, does, does it get better for you every time you watch it? Um, I wouldn't say better, but I do. There's little stuff I pick up on that I didn't always pick up before, you mm -hmm. know. So there, there's always going to be stuff like that. Um, but it's one of those. It's like the. Whatever you want to watch this movie for, it's there. If you want to watch it for, like, P 
period costumes. It's got it. If you want to watch it, you know, for, you know, for the setting, for the mood, for the language, it, it's just, it's spot Even on. Even the fucking soundtrack, man. Dude, if you, oh, uh, yeah. like, if you, I actually gotten, went out, I think the, uh, this movie was the, uh, uh, probably the first soundtrack that I bought on, like, iTunes or something like that. But afterwards, <laughs> I just kind of threw it out the trash and I wound up looking up every goddamn song that this movie has and making my own little <laughs> custom Goodfellas album. Yeah, and, uh, been there. Every one of these. Done stuff like that. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, and hell, here it is, like all the songs, uh, but all of them fantastic ones. And I'll still like, you know, pop on every once in a while with songs from this this soundtrack, man. Uh, and and like I said, I I did just based on how I feel about editing and the music in this movie, I did a whole uh, like uh, animated music video or just movie music video of the Rags to Riches <laughs> song. And you can check that out on my YouTube channel. I got a link in the description below for you. Um, and editing that, I really felt the kind of precision <laughs> that this movie gives because I was literally editing that song down to the frame just mm. to get it absolutely, get the rhythm absolutely right. Uh, and yeah, man. It, and seriously, hats off to Thelma Schoonmacher. And Marty, because Marty's the, uh, oh yeah, you know, Marty's the one who has that rhythm. Boom. And again, the remember this entire thing, it could have just been you know just scrolling credits like you normally see, but it's like no, nah, we're gonna keep this needle drop going, we're gonna have that rhythm keep on going. And I am here for it, man. This is still one of the greatest movies of of my life. And you know what's even more fucked up? This movie cost about $25 million. It didn't even make half that at the box office. Yeah, but you know on the back end it's made so much money. Yeah, oh, yeah. In the back, like After that, like, oh, man, yeah. This this probably financed like almost all of his uh, movies in well, his right. later and, career. And you also have to have to think. It's like, why did you make a movie? I mean, it, it even had a horrible reaction uh, from the test screening, but... When it was released, even though it didn't do well, critical darling. And there is something to be said for having a work that is a critical darling. Yeah. So well that was a hell that was a hell of a fun time, man. Seriously. I was uh like I I've been wanting to talk about this movie for ages and ages and I'm finally glad to do it. And that's that's I think a really great way to end up Mob March. But next month we're starting up in April with action movies, bitches. Yeah. Let's get the adrenaline pumping. Are you ready for this, Sean? Cuz I'm ready. I'm so happy. Always. Hell. Yes. Yeah. So, you know what? I'm fucking so happy and so excited for it. I'm going to release the next episode just a, a few days early, just for you out there who have been listening. So, that said, we'll be back again for some action movies all month long. It's going to be fucking great. So, in the meantime, I've been Tim. I've been Sean. And you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. Peace. Peace.